0: Two, three, four. In this...
1: Big thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is August eighth, twenty twenty one. My name is Zach Weber, and joining me is one of Canada's premier vintage collectors,
0: Chris Porteous. Happy to be here to discuss topics that may or may not alienate the listeners, <laughs>
1: and and the master of three D scanning,
0: Joe Yazo.
2: I wouldn't say master. I wouldn't say master. Not yet.
1: If you if you are uh,
2: interested in ordering an R2D2
1: blob, Joe is the man for you.
2: I'm actually marketing it as a peep. It looks more like a peep that's been through the microwave probably about 15 seconds. <laughs> um,
3: that's
2: that's what we're that's what we're marketing at. pictures I love that. of it. We could put pictures of it on the uh on the Facebook page.
1: You can send some, and once he does that, Chris, you can put something out on the Instagram account.
2: Like some of the like melted R2D2 peep.
0: If you have a picture of a melted three D printed R two, it's th- that's where it belongs to the Knights of Vader Instagram page. <laughs>
2: it's not even three D printed yet. That's the thing. It's like rendered, <laughs> rendered peep. <laughs> peep
1: like. Rendering. Oh, folks, peep like rendering. Yes, folks. Uh, this week, based on today uh, on the title of the episode, which uh, has gods to be determined it's a toy horrific episode which i don't think we've done on knights of vader in like years i think the last time we did like an actual like toy episode was probably sometime in 2018 so we're talking at least three plus years from now um but yeah like a combination of the fact that uh chris porteous is one of canada's premier star wars collectors and that uh, joe at some point in his life managed to kb toys In that how like the first 30 minutes, every night's of Vader for the last like four months, always is prefaced with some level of discussion about toy nonsense. What better time is, uh, is we're just kind of biting our time for the bad batch season finale. Uh, there's, I don't know how much star Wars news there is kind of the, uh, before we start talking about toy nonsense, we're kind of doing an inverse version of a typical Knights of Vader episode. Um, the really only major piece of star Wars news that's out there is the fact that like Disney released the, Oh God, a general range of what the star Wars hotel experience is going to cost in roughly a year from now. Um, I, I, I oh God, for those who don't know, um, at Disney's Hollywood studios in Orlando, Florida, they're building a star Wars hotel that will give you like a quasi premier access to uh, galaxy's edge And on top of that, it will give you a, its own like unique experience beyond that, just staying in a normal Disney resort hotel. Um, the prices for said Disney hotel range from anywhere from $4,800 all the way to $6,000. And based on the itinerary they give you, it's roughly a 36 hour experience, including uh, 12 hours of sleeping. Um, it, it it looks like a lot of fun. I don't know if it's worth five to six grand for a thirty six hour experience. I haven't broken that down on like a minute per minute cost basis. Um, but before we delve into that specifically, uh, what do you guys think about the idea of spending five to six grand for a Disney Star Wars experience?
0: Straight to you, Joe. Oh
2: boy six grand it's not even a three-day experience if you sit there and you look at it because check-in times at one o'clock and then check-out time is a day later not a t- two days later and it's going to be at 11. so it's not even 36 hours it's 48 hours for six thousand dollars
0: but i mean do you did you watch like some uh presentations like do you do you not identify with the value proposition being made
2: i do not no
0: interesting
2: six thousand dollars you can get you can get a lot of stuff for six thousand dollars and if you sit there and look at the itinerary it was it was it's kind of some fun stuff you know they they give you like a half hour of each thing like they they teach you how to place it back for 25 minutes and then you get to place sabac for 20 minutes
0: <laughs>
2: that's that's worth my six grand so sign me up well we hold
0: mortgage. hold on hold on like I, I like like so like i i'm sure i know there's a sort of a narrative out there since this pricing was announced that like it's outrageous um but like and i and i think if 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 anyone out there had an expectation of my like ignorant opinion, it would probably be that like along those same lines, but like, it's not like, for one, those Sabat cards were like holograms and like, that might look cool. And (laughs) like, not only that, but, um, but, uh, listen, like this is, um, it's not like they're sort of, it looks like it's structured like a cruise, but like the, the, uh, the content I I watched. I tried to watch some stuff about this before we got on here tonight, and I heard there's only a hundred cabins, so like, it's like it's gonna be it probably like uh, legitimately difficult to even get into this if you wanted to for a while. And um, initially, initially, yeah.
1: difficult. I think this thing's gonna run dry very quickly.
0: Well, but but like you know, the way you gotta look at it is like, would you ever do? You're gonna do it once. And, and when if you're going to if you look at it that way, I think there's sort of enough on the table. Like if they like if those concept paintings they've done, like are anywhere close to the point where like they're going to put like uh, like expensive looking Wookiee in my face and like he's going to like deal cards to me or something. And there's going to be like droids around and like Twi'lek like bartenders. Like, I I don't know. Like, I think it's expensive. It it really is expensive, but, like, you got to look at it from my perspective. It wouldn't be, like, a family going where, like, I just have to deal with the entire cost. It'd be, like, three or four adult men, like, splitting the cost of, like, one of these rooms and just, like, doing it for, like, the literal, like, Star Wars experience parts of it that when you're going as a family, you're the only one who's actually appreciating it and you're dragging along people to their detriment. I okay, this is the thing. Yeah,
1: that's a good point you bring up because like even I was kind of doing some like costs and being like, okay, what if I have like a credit card where I can get away with like zero APR for like 18 months and you break this down over the course of like like oh 18 months of zero percent interest. Um and then like I looked at the itinerary and the itinerary is it's it's interesting, but I just don't know how oh god like the cost to value ratio is because you look at some of the stuff here and the thing that kind of like entices me the most are the story moments because i really don't want to go through like oh god the hour by hour breakthrough of the itinerary because there's well over like 24 bullet points but you do have moments where it's like oh unexpected story moment where it says quote prove your medal to join an elite smuggling ring Or quote hide a stowaway To help the resistance And that's the sort of stuff I could see this being worth like five grand And that like if you get to actually live out A Star Wars adventure On a personal level I could see this being worth it Maybe not to an adult but to as a kid Because I think I've mentioned it Maybe like years ago On the podcast But in 2003 I won Tickets to disney world back when they Actually still did star wars weekends Before the dark times when disney took Over and i had the like i got on stage to Fight darth vader back in part of the Star wars weekends experience i to This day yes there's pictures of this Somewhere off the post of the facebook Group i actually met boba fett too he Chased my friend down like tattooing Traders alley um but that's a story for Another day um It's the idea that, like, like to this day, as a Star Wars fan, that's one of the highlights of my fandom. If I had, if I was a parent that had a kid or kids who loved Star Wars on the same level that I did in like two thousand three, I wouldn't think. If I had the financial means to pay for this, I wouldn't think twice about it. That's where I think Disney's. I think this is where it's like hook, line, sinker from Disney's perspective. If you have kids that love Star Wars as an experience. Um, this is just the ultimate, just like triple platinum tier. Beyond that, when it comes to like just grown men doing this or just adults, I, I, I don't know. I don't know until we actually see this thing like manifest in reality. Um, I, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine spending the it's like everything else Disney does, like, everybody's
0: re- good. That's I was just going to say, that's the real question, right? It's like once those first guys get in there and you see some photos and you hear that firsthand testimony, that's when we're going to know whether this is something we have to do or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So and like we're going to see that first.
1: But that's the thing, though, like everything else that Disney does, like, yes, is Disney exorbitantly expensive? Absolutely. But Disney doesn't half ass anything. And that's the thing. Like, everyone's like, oh, can you believe like five to $6,000 for like playing, like oh God, cards? And it's like, no, you're not spending five grand to play cards. You're playing it in a hotel that is the most accurate representation of God, Star Wars in reality you could possibly imagine. You're paying for cast members that are 100% indoctrinated as to be living characters in this faux reality and you're giving Costumes you're giving all this Stuff Plus I'm so include- glad
0: we I'm so glad we completely agree Like yeah I, I just like And you do yourself a favor and learn sabak before you go <laughs> go
1: yeah. go find the Han solo movie card set at your local game spot that's
0: on clearance for a dollar
1: ninety-nine before you spend five grand on this.
0: Yeah, don't get that don't get that Galaxy's Edge one. That's overkill. Like get the get the solo movie one.
1: That's like I said, that's the thing where it's gonna come down to. It's like I can't like again, like is five to six thousand dollars a lot of money? Yes, like without a doubt. But I think if it's something that you can afford and you have that level of appreciation for Star Wars. I can't imagine you walking out of this, like, disappointed. Like, it's, is it something you're going to do every single time you visit Disney? No, it, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Um, but I think, like you were saying, Chris, the idea that it's only 100 cabins and the fact that they're kind of building artificial scarcity into this means they are consciously aware of this as a,
0: as a product-slash-experience. Joe, you're still not sold, right?
2: I'm still not sold. No, you're gonna have to do a little bit better. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think either one of you can sell the Star Wars uh, experience timeshare to me today. We're gonna have to read Oh
1: it. god, timeshare! Time How much would the timeshare cost? Like, what would that be? Like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> a month? Like, what would that be
0: for Disney to offer that? Well, I. You know, but the the real the real the real. I think the big problem with the the publicity they have on this is that it's a complete fundamental misunderstanding to look at it as a hotel in any way shape or form and even a even as a cruise it it doesn't quite line up because beyond like five minutes looking out the window like anytime you spend in your cabin at this thing is like you're wasting your money <laughs> like that's really what it comes down to like this is not a hotel or a cruise ship this is like interact with cast members who have expensive star Wars costumes and like pretend that you're on a spaceship for, for a couple days. And I mean, I think something, another thing people are, might be are sort of underreporting is that like, you're probably like, there's a galaxy's edge. Like you don't have to have a separate like ticket to get into galaxy's edge for this. It's included of course. Yes. So, well, that's, so, well, that's,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because I want this. Okay. This is, This I know I've talked about this a lot like on the podcast like years ago and that like I grew up in Florida. I grew up roughly 90 minutes away from Orlando in Newport, Richie, Florida, and like my brother had annual passes him and his family back in like the early 2000s and they would for a, a period in 2002 and 2003. They would regularly take me to Disney. And so in a way, I was spoiled because, like, it just kind of became, like, a weird kind of, like, quasi-playground. We would end up there at least once a month for, like, two years straight. But this is kind of the thing about that is it's – oh, God. Like we live in a different world from then. I'm sorry, from, from then that, like, back in the day, Fast Pass was considered the novelty – that, like, oh, wow, like, the idea you could put your, like, your physical ticket stub into this little, like, kiosk machine, and you can come back between, like, 1 and one thirty you can get on this ride with, like, a 10-minute wait. And this is the thing that's always concerned me about Disney, not just, like, Galaxy's Edge, but, like, Disney in the modern era, is the idea of, like, take Rise of the Resistance, the ride and that like it's it's funny this and it's funny how this just popped up in my day-to-day life a couple days ago. I was at physical therapy for a recent injury I occurred. and the uh, the receptionist saw my Star Wars tattoo and she's like, "Oh, like my family and I just came back from Galaxy's Edge like a month ago." And I'm like, "Oh, like how did you like it?" And they're like, "Oh, it was great. It, like it was a lot of fun, like it was incredible." And they're like, but it was just kind of like nerve-wracking. And I'm like, "Like what do you mean nerve-wracking?" Well, we spent all this money to get down there. And we didn't know if we were getting on any of the star Wars rides until that morning of because of the boarding pass system. And I'm like, uh-huh. And I'm like, and like, it's trickling back. It's kind of like trickling back into my mind. And that, that notion of like, I like, think about it, like forget about star Wars, like hotel. If you're planning a normal quote, Disney vacation, you're spending at the very least between just like airline flight, hotel, rental car, whatever. You're spending at least $500.
0: This is how I'm looking at it. And I'm glad you're going here because they implied that they're like, I believe the schedule they showed implies that you're going to have access to the park in the morning. If you want to, before it actually opens up.
1: Exactly. And I think that's the thing is that like, I, my problem is that like, if somebody who again grew up at the Disney parks, obviously loves star Wars is very, very <laughs> beholden to the theme parks. It's that notion of like, again, for again I have not been to a Disney theme parks in 2007 and Disney theme parks in 2007 are night and day compared to what they are right now. And my issues is like people ask me all the time, like, oh, when are you going to Galaxy's Edge? And I'm like, I literally have no interest in Galaxy's Edge because I am, again, I live in New York from what it would cost between airline flights, hotel, car reservations, all these things. I am not spending at the minimum a thousand dollars to get the chance to roll the dice to get on any of the rides i'm like sorry i am not doing that as a consumer um but this is the thing if, if my like overall investment is five thousand dollars plus just airline tickets spending five thousand dollars is a once-in-a-lifetime event i could see myself doing that I could see myself doing this as a one-off just to be able to guarantee I did this right. Like, and that's the thing even too, like in years past, like I told people, if I'm going to do Disney or if you're – like, people always used to ask me advice for Disney because I knew I've been a huge Disney fanatic for my entire life. And they're like, well, what do you recommend? And I'm like, put $10,000 aside, then do it. Because I'm not saying you're going to spend that much money, but if you're going to do it, you do it right. You do it once every five to ten years. I know the official Disney quota for, like, return visitors is every three and a quarter years. I don't believe that. But if you're going to do this, do it right. And and that's what you do. You you go once a decade and you pump the money into it. Then – I see this being worth five thousand dollars for two people. I if you have like Lord knows if you're a zanger and you have like like a litter of children, I have no idea how you budget for this. um, but beyond that, if you're doing this is just like a family of three, maybe four, I could see you spending the six thousand dollars as a once in a lifetime vacation
0: and Joe, you, you still uh, you still against it? Where are we at? I'm still
2: against it like it economically, if you could do it because they did have some of these packages I saw that the more people you brought with you the better you'd have to bring like 125 people and just have 125 yeah. people sit in a room
0: no no <laughs> it's no and, but you got to do four you got to do like three or four and like the thing about that is like like I like I'm sort of like maybe I'm like excessively cynical or, like I could be accused of that and it's definitely true but like I don't see like these people who bring their families to stuff like this like like there's no like it okay I won't say it doesn't exist but it's a rare case where like the whole family is like actually so bought in that something like this is the right choice you know what I mean like you're not you're not even it's not a hotel like you can't you're not just like you can't just walk outside if you feel like it you know what I mean like if you're not 100% into this experience it's Going to be annoying and it's way too Expensive to be annoying in any way So like if if I'm going To go like it's going to be with like Two or three other people who Want exactly this experience just to see What it's all about
1: Joe like what would be the Price point for you like based on what we know What was included in this itinerary What is the price point that you would Feel comfortable with
2: I don't think I'd be comfortable with any price point To be honest with you it's, it's, it's Disney's astronomically expensive to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm just cheap.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm cheap. That I'm is, the wrong person to ask that, that question.
1: To. That That is a word that is not included in the uh, Mickey Mouse dictionary. There's exactly. such a thing as uh, cheap, cost-effective, inexpensive. You hear that, Disney, they,
2: I'm not going to your experience until you give me a coupon. I want a coupon. <laughs> they
1: don't, they don't, they don't know what that means. They don't even have that suffix in their dictionary. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I again based on what again, until we get those like influencer previews from like the mommy bloggers, I I I wouldn't sign up for it. But I could see myself in maybe like five years doing this. It's just something like again, like you save up a lot of like money, maybe you forego vacation one year and you put it into this. It's just something kind of like, wow. Um, my thing that I think is a little interesting because at one point in this they talk about the um Lightsaber training, which only lasts about 30 minutes, which is kind of odd considering they've hyped up this idea of a revolutionary technology, like lightsaber that's self-contained. And I know somebody in the Knights of Vader Facebook group just said like, oh, it's an LED tape measure. It's literally like the lowest tech thing in the world. Um, I know in one of the behind the scenes videos for this, they actually show one of the Imagineers like kind of like fumbling with it. And it looks neat But this is the thing I kind of find interesting Is like if I'm spending five grand for this experience I want the like Super duper limited edition lightsaber To take home Like I want that Like if if you're going to charge me five grand for this That should be my souvenir the lightsaber
3: And if they make
1: that something That's exclusive to the Something you just get to play with for 30 minutes In a 36 hour just like Experience That could be a potential deal breaker for me
2: so they have microbial gloves and I was just, wear gloves,
0: <laughs> but they, they haven't actually said that that's like a product you can buy yet. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's the thing
1: Like they haven't like they for, I remember this was back in like 2017. One of the first like guests we had on this podcast was Len Testa and Jim Hill from the unofficial like Walt Disney guide. And they were talking about how like they found like the patent that Disney created for this thing all the way back in 2017. It's in the episode. Like they actually gave me the link to, if you go look at the episode, the link is still there. And that's the thing. Like this technology has been around now for four years. It's the idea that like, if, 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 if you're going to charge a premium, the, it kind of reminds me of that moment from Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where the woman's like, "But I won't get any souvenirs." Like, that's the thing. Like, if like I want a physical representation of spending five grand, I just don't want the normal like was it Doc Ondor's lightsaber or Savi's lightsaber experience. I want the lightsaber you can only get from the five k experience. All right, well, like that's that's the thing. Like, if you're gonna charge that amount of money, then you've got to give me the proverbial trophy to come home with.
0: Okay, so, like, here's my problems with what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Chris, rain on my parade. First of all, um, let's be honest. Like, anyone who's really looking at it with a critical eye, like, the hilt's way too big on that thing. And it's because it's got two tape measures in it. (laughs) So, so like, you can't fit two tape measures in there and not have the hilt too big. It looks cool, but, like, let's get real for a second. Like, there's the real, there's a... There's almost, like, the tragedy of the authentic lightsaber prop is that even look at, like, the Hasbro, like, Black Series Sabres. The real unfortunate thing about these things is that if you take a video of one of these in a dark room, it looks like a screen-accurate blade. But the problem is, to your eye, it looks way worse than that, and you can see, like, the LED like going along the whole thing right like so it's so like there's no such there's like and this is going to be the same where like it looks awesome in the video but like there's no practical lightsaber that like to your eye will ever look like how a lightsaber looks on screen so like there's that to wrap your head around first because like that's it's just like it's almost like if you look at the films as if they were as if what you're seeing is an image captured on a camera that's why the sabers look the way they do on film you know what i mean like it, to your eye it would never look like that and it can't with any practical well, that, product
1: well exactly because what a lightsaber is if you break it down like on a visual level it's a white beam of light that gives off a color glow which is a physical impossibility as of now technologically speaking.
0: well yeah but it's a photo but as a photographic artifact that answers all the questions you could possibly have. So what is it? So that's the real question, right? What does a lightsaber actually look like canonically to a character in Star Wars when they're looking at it from a first person point of view? It's not how it looks like in the movies. Fascinating. But um, you know, like this isn't going to look any better in hand than like any sort of like and I know there's a lot of third party sabers that like do a much better job than the licensed companies, but at the end of the day, you're going to see like if it's got LEDs down the blade, you sort of see them unless it's like I'm like maybe I'm talking uh, out of school here and like people know more about this stuff. But like like obviously this stuff photographs beautifully, but like it at this uh, I haven't seen anything that in person that looked too amazing. And especially if you're in a bright room, like LEDs can't compete with like the, the light of a room. Right. So so like I don't think it extends in an interesting way, but like, I don't think it's that much more amazing than the stuff they're shilling at Doc on doors.
1: It's a unique artifact, relatively speaking in the world of like lights, lightsaber merchandise. I think that's the point.
0: Well, as someone who, um, so like, you know, if I, like I've won, uh, Semi screen accurate lightsaber hilt in my collection, and like, like for me, like I, I nothing grinds my gears more than when I see like those black series sabers with the fixed blade like stuck in them, like on somebody's wall. It's, it's like if I want to hit, if I want a lightsaber, it's gonna be a hilt only because I don't like some plastic blade sticking out of it twenty four seven in my collection. And that just looks whack i will get a screen accurate hilt and i will call it a day so like i'm not much bothered by this whole thing
1: that's fair but like this is okay this is the
0: thing though um i really
1: not that i feel uncomfortable talking about this but i don't feel like i would give it a fair shake because the the only like legit lightsabers i have and chris is gonna love this because this is gonna be a nice maybe a nice way to segue into uh the toy topic of tonight's conversation is that, like, I have two master replica lightsabers from 2005. I have Luke's Empire Strikes Back lightsaber. And I have his Jedi lightsaber. Um, I, I do not have any of the Black Series ones. I have none of the Galaxy's Edge ones. I have no custom, like unofficial made ones. Um, one thing I, I think I we met I think Chris and I talked about this a while ago. I tried to get the the uh oh god, Reforged Skywalker Saber and Leia Sabres from like shopdisney.com and they canceled my order. Um I never so I never got a chance to even kind of even look at one of those. So I, I again, I don't have a dog in this fight in that sense. Um, again, God, if you look back to those Master Replica Sabers, like they were great in two thousand five. Um, God, now the the return of the Jedi lightsaber's hilt is so bulky. In the uh, Luke Skywalker one from Empire, like the rubber on the uh, the the hilt is actually like gooey and sticky because it's it wasn't meant to last this long. <laughs> like I literally have to apply like like certain levels of like oil and grease to the to keep it from becoming tacky. Um, so like I guess said I, I really don't want to complain about this one way or the other. It's just the notion that like it goes back to like, but, it's one thing going to Galaxy's Edge and just buying a hilt from one, like from like whether it be Downtown Disney or Galaxy's Edge, and for like two hundred dollars plus or minus the uh, the blade you can buy separately. And then another thing entirely of getting a like super duper lightsaber, relatively speaking, Chris, that that is able to extend and retract from the hilt itself, even if it's not entirely screen accurate. It's just, like I said, I think it's more of a physical representation of spending the premium at Disney versus not. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does, but I think you're definitely going to have some physical takeaways of that experience built in by design.
1: Sure. sure. No, I don't doubt it. I would match, but I think it's just, it's the idea that, like, it's one thing getting, like, a commemorative set of sabak playing cards, and there's another thing of getting a lightsaber that's exclusive to the 5K experience.
0: Right, and, like, Let's be honest. The Zavi's workshop lightsabers are like, like, like I know of like three or four people who have all of them, and like, oh like wow. I, I know no, I know none of them are listening right now. So like, I'm gonna say that's lame. <laughs> like that's just like they're in like a little like they have a case that looks like the Imperial like Kyber crystal crate like it's just it takes up way too much space for the quality and like the they don't I don't know they like that's it's a, like it's they, essentially it's essentially the black series thing you can get
1: like back in the day at Target like it's that same level of just quality it's just
0: being sold by Disney versus Hasbro. That's right and not enough of those like like how many like how many beyond iconic lightsaber hilts are there like three like there's been like what 20 disney sabers already from the savvy's workshop thing like oh, that like yeah. the, the the legacy ones or whatever it's called where it's like based mm-hmm. on a character's saber well that's the thing like i, I think it's
1: interesting because like i follow some of those like disney bloggers that like are more i'm sorry they're star wars bloggers but they have more of like a disney like parks like slant And they'll like regularly post updates but like, oh, like this lightsaber is like out of stock at Galaxy's Edge or downtown Disney or whatever. It's called Disney Springs now. And they're like, oh, this one's being discontinued. And like my favorite to this day that I'm kind of almost shocked that Disney made are the Jedi Temple Guard lightsaber hilts. And I'm like, who wants this? I'm like, what on earth in the market research told them this would be a popular item? And then like you'll see ones like, oh, like obviously your 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 favorites like Vader's, Anakin slash Luke's, Ahsokas, like that makes sense because like it took Hasbro forever to make Ahsoka lightsaber pilts. But like the one thing I will say is that like one thing I will buy, and I'm probably it depends on whether it's available on like shop.disney.com like later this year. But like I will probably end up spending like three to four hundred dollars this fall on the Cal Kestis lightsaber hilt. Cause I like apparently Hasbro has no interest in like making any more merchandise from fall in order, but I kind of love that hill. And Hold
0: on, They, okay, are, a they things, are making it a couple things. It's a baseball bat. And secondly, <laughs> um, secondly you're not Zanger. Like, you can't
1: make that joke.
0: I think I may, I think if uh, the astute listener will realize that I actually made that joke first, but, um, but uh, you know, they did just release a deluxe Cal Kestis black series figure.
1: Well, yeah, because it's a repaint. And, like, it's like it literally. Doesn't ugly. have more stuff? It does, but, like, none of it's applicable to him. Like, it's all. Because, like, it's another one of these things that, like, they still haven't realized in video games. Like, nobody cares about, like, customizing a character. Just make a good story with decent, di- like, oh, God, playability. And, like, it's so weird. Like, BD, oh, God, what's it? Uh, BD1's the wrong color, and Cal Kestis has, like, a green blade, which is not canon.
0: Okay, but now, you could just, change like, BD1's color in the game.
1: Well, yeah, you can, though. But, like, canon, canonly speaking, he's white with, like, red accent marks.
0: Wow. So what you're saying is that, like, every time you play the game, it's not canon. And the yes. only canon version of it is if you do, like, you change nothing, basically.
1: Yes, which is exactly what I did when I played the game. And guess what? I have the official Cal Kestis figure on my desk right now which Chris can probably can tell you is like goes for a premium. Cause ne- they haven't really done anything to re-release that figure since like, Oh God, triple force Friday in 2019.
0: I'm a bit out but, of the loop on the black series stuff. Are you saying that the first release of Cal Kestis is substantially more desirable than the new one? Well, I think it is because like, it's the only Canon one Yeah, outside of the
1: poncho that he wears. Um, like I know, I know between Cal Kestis and like that second sister Inquisitor figure, like, like, all of those now... Not that they go for, like, an insane premium, but both of those figures were $20 releases, and they easily go for, like, $60 apiece now. And the second sister, like, didn't even have a removable helmet, right? Yeah, because that was, like... That was, kind like of like, one of those stupid, like, Lucasfilm, like, we're hiding a spoiler things.
0: That was one of those times where, like, Lucasfilm just hid behind the spoiler-like veil. Interesting, because it was, like, a new... Like, had... Like, the helmet was a new design, so, like, you'd think they would have been able to budget for a head a sculpt.
1: Well, that's the thing is that like, it's weird. Cause like, I think we talked we never did a proper like Jedi Fallen Order episode. But, like at some point we will get to that. Like I promise probably sometime in 2022, uh, we will get to Jedi Fallen Order. Um, but it's the issues that like Lucasfilm didn't know. Cause that was probably if everything that came out in 2019, Star Wars related, that was the property that Lucasfilm had the least control over. That was an EA-like thing, first and foremost. And Lucasfilm was just like, please, like, in God, Lucasfilm, probably more Disney than anything else, was like, please don't screw this up, EA. Just just, just don't, like, stick your foot in your mouth. And it did. Like, Jedi Fallen Order, as much as I, like, bitched and moaned about it in 2019, like, exceeded everybody's expectations, mine included, um... And that but like that that's the thing though, it's like Jedi Fall in Order really on a merchandise level, outside of a few repacks that have been like GameStop exclusives, has more or less been ignored on a merchandising level. Outside of that like Cal Kessis lightsaber that got like was in a fan's choice vote for the next legacy lightsaber at Docondo's.
0: Well, you know, you you can't discount uh wildly cost-effective hasbro reissues such as the like biker scout with a general grievous like uh guard le- uh, electro staff that they're putting out in the vintage collection right now
1: i i guess like I, I, maybe this is the point where we transition into collecting um i
0: just like i
1: i i wish i could blame hasbro for all this but i swear lucasfilm just kind of has like a their boot on the neck of Hasbro right now. I think if Hasbro was allowed, like, if they were unrestrained, I think Hasbro would be going ballistic with the Star Wars license right now. I think Lucasfilm is just has them so hamstrung that they can't move. And, like, I, I honestly, I could see there being a ver- a reality. I don't know how likely it is, but I can see a reality where Hasbro's just like, we don't even want this license anymore. I'm I, I, not saying it will happen. But I could see it's coming to a point where Hasbro is just so frustrated with Lucasfilm. Because look at look at Marvel. Like, God, like, every two to three months you get a new wave of Marvel Legends figures. And God, like, every single Walmart and Target I go to, I go down the Star Wars aisle and there's nothing. It's the usual just Mission Fleet and Darksaber, like, role-playing toy. And that's it, like, for months now And even, like, Chris, you probably heard it Like, when it comes to, like, the vintage collection Darth Maul and Ahsoka figures From um, the Clone Wars Like, I've heard stories that, like Oh, Hasbro, like, initially Like, underproduced those figures But there'll be, like, full cases Of them showing up in, like, like God Early summer 2022 And I'm just, like why i'm like why is it taking almost two years for there to be figures of something like i get it, it Like, i remember back in my, my like hardcore neca collecting days i remember randy from neca talking about like what it takes from like the moment something is revealed to the toy people to when the absolute earliest they can get something on shelves is roughly seven to nine months like there's no reason why it should take Hasbro two years to get something onto a store shelf. Like to this day, like we know that they have the Luke Skywalker Crate Black Series figure. They even mocked up the packaging for it. They're just for some reason, Lucasfilm isn't letting them release it.
0: You're saying the um mocked up packaging leaked for that. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. The the Black Series, uh, Luke Skywalker crate figure, the six inch, leaked like back in 2019, and for some reason, Lucasfilm isn't just letting them release it. I don't know why. Lucasfilm, I, I, Lucasfilm, for some reason, has this bizarre stranglehold on Hasbro that Marvel doesn't.
0: That might be just because like the amount of media coming out from Marvel is like just so preposterous that like. Like it's it's harder to make those calls Whereas like with I, Star this, Wars It's like one show at a time Or one movie at a I, time
1: But this is the thing though Is that like think about it Like the next big Marvel thing Is the What If animated series And like a week ago They announced like all the figures All the merchandise for this And yeah it's not gonna Like that merchandise isn't gonna come out For a few months But it's there Like if you wanna pre-order it You can pre-order it almost anywhere Whether it be Target, GameStop, Big Bad Toy Store any of those Yet like when it comes to Mar um, the Star Wars Is that like I remember back in like March I pre-ordered The Costca Reeves Mandalorian figure that had Like an anticipated release date of Like August 2021 And it's been delayed now to Like April 2022 And it's like and yet, like, I'll see pictures on Instagram of people walking into Walmart and Targets and they're finding it on the shelves because Hasbro isn't supplying them with enough of it. And that's the problem. I think it's a combination of Hasbro, has, to this day, hasn't figured out how to properly estimate numbers for Star Wars releases, or Lucasfilm isn't allowing them to manufacture it in the numbers that they want to. Because there's no reason why, and this goes back, To like, I remember, it's funny, I've been going back to a couple Of the older episodes of Knights of Vader from like 2019, and this is One of my favorite examples in that like As much as we love to blame Hasbro For the problems of merchandise Releases, I don't think we can I think it's exclusively a Lucasfilm problem And that when Captain America I'm sorry, when Avengers Endgame came out In April 2019, we all Know there was the reveal Of Captain America Wielding Mjolnir And by Mid-May of 2019 Hasbro had on Shelves a Captain America Mjolnir action figure Within Less than a month of Arguably the biggest reveal From at the time the highest Grossing film of all time If Hasbro and Marvel Are able to keep that Level of reveal under wraps There is no excuse As to why Lucasfilm feels they have to hide things from Hasbro because of quote-unquote toy leaks
0: well I'm that's interesting that you bring that up like I recently like um I don't know um there's another there's like a modern collecting podcast I listen to that's like there I think I feel like they're more centered on Marvel stuff um but uh like one of the hosts over there um works at gentle giant who does a lot of the sculpts for like uh hasbro uh black series mm-hmm. and marvel legends and he yeah, said from what, that, just real, real quick also chris real quick ahead. from what i remember this is
1: like we're talking about like decade ago plus i remember that like gentle Giant gives the th- like scans the 3d reference materials and then provides them the hasbro is that still the case or is that like antiquated information
0: Um, well, I think like, so like, like, um, like, uh, I listen to it every week. I don't mind shouting it out. It's called Toy Migos. And like one of the guys on the air is a gentle giant sculptor. Um, I think is his job. And, uh, he, but what I found interesting that he said recently was that, um, the, uh, that he saw, uh, good old baby Yoda 18 months before it premiered on the Mandalorian episode one.
1: So you're talking about at the very least sometime in like early
0: 2018. He said 18. I think if I recall correctly, he said 18 months, which is like maybe that's not factories in China producing it, because I feel like that's where a lot of the leaks come from. Like it gets out of the factory early and like a prototype shows up on eBay or something like that. Maybe they they have better luck dealing with their NDAs like stateside. But he's I believe he said 18 months, which like I found shocking that nothing at all got out. But maybe over here, people are more afraid of losing their jobs.
1: It could be that Like that's okay this is the thing I find interesting Is that like I guess again Chris You and I are kind of steeped in the Star Wars collecting Game but like the last time I remember there being a major Major toy leak reveal Was for The Force Awakens when like The prototypes of Kylo Ren Rey Finn and BB-8 and Chewbacca leaked in Like November 2014 And that Was like a full 13 months before release and that's the thing it's like we don't get like toy leaks on that sort of level anymore like if anything we find toy leaks out because of like urls that like jason from yakface was able to decipher
0: well i don't know if this was the same time but like like my information like my like random access information on the force awakens toy rollout was pretty spotty but i feel like I remember a lot of the guys like yak face who were like reported on that kind of stuff. Like when an early leak came out for that movie, they were getting like legal threats from Disney for even well, just having the picture. Well, that's up.
1: Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because I haven't brought this up in a while on the podcast. I got a legal threat from legal, uh, from the Hasbro's PR department. I, I remember on the, uh, we've talked about this in the pre-show recording, but on the rebel scum forums, I discovered a like they don't do this as much anymore now but like one of those little like bite-sized pamphlets you got like when you bought a new like figure it was like all folded up like 20 times and i posted that on the rubble scum forums and i got not just an email but a phone call to my cell phone and my home number from Hasbro's legal PR department telling me to take this down or else to be
0: consequences
1: and that was in august of 2015 for I a re- experience. For, that.
0: Hold on for a rebel scum post. Yes, it's from a, so it's so far beyond me how that's not the website's problem and instead of yours.
1: They did. They threat. They not that they threat. Because the guy who I dealt with, um, if I probably went digging through my emails, I could find the very like specific email. Um. Oh God, what's their PR people? Lipsin, in? Um. If I heard it, I would know it. Um. God, this was like six years ago now. Um. But I don't. I got a threatening email from them, and like I told the guy, I'm like, okay, like I'll delete it. Like, calm down. And he apologized. Like, like, he's like, hey, like I'm sorry for like the full court press. Um, like it's just my job. I'm sorry. Like, like I don't mean to like, like, like tamper your enthusiasm for this.
0: Um, I that in writing would be fascinating. You should see if you can find some of that stuff. Like <laughs> that sounds pretty good.
1: Um, oh God, where is? Oh, I found it. Um, here it is. It's from uh, blah, 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 Hunter Public Relations. This is from. August twentieth, twenty fifteen. Um, uh, oh yeah, he goes. Blah, blah, blah. Where's Where's the whole email? Um, okay, here it goes. This is from uh, Justin at Hunter PR. Hi Zach, I represent Hasbro Inc. and I'm writing to ask you to please remove the photo album at the following address, which features unauthorized use of Hasbro images. Please remove this album and its contents immediately. Thank you. And this is from a Madison Avenue public relations firm and i said we will do and he goes thank you very much much appreciated and i go and he also called my home address and okay he goes,
0: I, I just want to pause you for one second so like sure. i didn't hear th- i didn't hear a threat there
1: oh no because no the, the threat came in the phone call because he called me too what
0: what, what was the threat
1: the threat was like, take this down, or like, like, like this is a cease and des- like, hey, I'm hey, I'm calling, looking for Zach Weber. This is a cease and desist order regarding your post on Rebel Scum um, regarding a photo a photo bucket album. Blah, blah blah blah. Please delete immediately. It was a cease and desist order.
0: I feel like that they wouldn't even try something like that now. That's so that like I feel Do like you that's am- like that sounds am- that seems so Do alien. You-
1: do you remember from December of 2015 where a Facebook account posted pictures of the Resistance Ray right figure, and they got them banned off Facebook? Do you remember that?
0: That's what you. But you said 2015, right?
1: Yeah, it was like it was like November of 20. It was like November, December of 2015, right before the Force Awakens came out. Yeah. Somebody so this found the Resistance Ray right of- figure. Let me let me just provide the context for this. This was November, December of 2015. In that somebody found a Resistance Ray figure in a Walmart, and they posted it on Facebook. And Hasbro Lucasfilm got that person banned off Facebook because of it.
0: Yeah, so like I bonkers, like, I think, I think absolutely
1: bonkers. Because that was yeah. JJ his most neurotic.
0: I think that's what I like. That's what I was remembering when we started talking about this. And I, like, I know there was some guys. Who, Uh, who generated a lot of content at the time who like when that sort of happened they were like really contemplating like what they're doing and like they it really took a lot of the wind out of their sails for their enthusiasm covering this kind of stuff because like people were getting the getting in trouble for posting pictures of stuff they found like on the shelves at a store and it's like the fact that there's any legal recourse for a company to stop you from posting a picture of something you found at the store is completely ridiculous.
1: Exactly. And that's the thing that drove me like drove me nuts about like Disney Lucasfilm in 2015 was the idea that like, if you find a toy on a shelf and you take a picture of it with your own personal camera, whether that be like a a physical camera or a cell phone camera, you own the rights to that image a corporation has no right to censor that, and that infuriated me about Disney Lucasfilm. And that was the thing. Like, I would go on the Rebel Scum forums, and this goes back to once again our pre-show recording. And this is again, like I said, this is like for those of you who weren't there for the last, god, almost four years of Knights of Vader, um, Knights of Vader uh, uh, episodes. This is what led me to create the podcast. Is like I would go on the, on the Rebel Scum forums and I'm being like, hey. I'm like, this is absolutely disgusting that Lucasfilm and Disney are doing this to fans. And you just get this again. It was that weird thing that happened in 2015 and 2016. Was this like, like horribly misplaced sense of sycophancy in the fandom, where it was like, yeah, it's their product; they can do whatever they want. And I'm like, are you insane? And it's just like, it was just like people. Like, this is the thing that's so funny. And it kind of bears repeating. And again, Chris knows this, so he can he have to listen. But it's the idea that the reason why this podcast, like again, every once in a while I have to remind people as to why this podcast exists. This podcast started in March of 2017 because I found the weird level of just like, oh God. Non existent discourse in the Star Wars phantom abhorrent. Was it like after The Force Awakens came out? I I can still to this day, I'll never forget. Because The Force Awakens was released early in, in Australia, and the moderator of the Rebel Scum Forums was from Australia. Everyone's just like, oh, what'd you think of the film? And he's like, it was all right. Everyone's just like, what? Everybody freaked out. They're like, what do you mean it's just all right? And he's like, Oh, guy, everybody, you're in for a rude awakening You're like, you are yeah, Yeah, if you think this film's gonna be The second coming of Christ, you are in for A major disappointment And, then, like, The Force Awakens comes out, everybody forgets December 2015 That was The greatest thing that ever existed It was another one of those films where it was The greatest film since Empire And then a year later Rogue One comes out, and the headlines were Once again, the greatest film Since Empire and as a Star Wars fan in early 2017, I was just like, no, I'm like, I love Rogue One. Like, it kind of saved me from, like, the abyss that was The Force Awakens, which to this day is still my least favorite Star Wars property. And then I was just like, no, like, I think there should be a voice in the fandom for people who say, I'm going to reject this. And then... That's kind of how the podcast started. Like, yeah, like, nine t- outside of myself in Force Goes Jim, nobody is part of the original crew of that podcast is still associated with the podcast. But that was the foundation of it, was the idea of, like, you need people that are going to argue the merits of Disney era Star Wars. Little did I know that uh, nine months later, th- weirdly enough, the inverse of that would happen, where I would become a staunch defender of Star Wars uh, under Disney stewardship Um, but that was the thing and and that's where I just kind of like find like where contemporary Star Wars is both on a narrative level and a merchandising level so so bizarre because just five years ago the sycophancy for this for Star Wars was uh, such a in a place it has not been since probably the early 80s. Diatribe over. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, like that, like it, it makes sense. Like, like I wasn't um, like for The Force Awakens, especially like I wasn't super engaged in any sort of like online discourse. And like I didn't have a lot of like close friends who were like following it closely. Like I was so. I was sort of, like, my Force Awakens experience consisted of pretty much seeing the movie in theaters, so, like, I wasn't, like, super ingrained in, like, a lot of that ancillary fan community stuff at the time. But, um, and that sort of came, like, more, like, after Rogue One for me. But, um, you know, like, I, like, I do sort of get the impression that that there was, like, it was hard for people to accept that, like, it could even be viewed as mediocre so like it's 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 tough to sort of um can to sort of contextualize like those opinions like this far since then like the fact that like the guy like somebody on rebel scum would be afraid of like explaining their full opinion of a movie (laughs) because they're worried about driving like everyone on the boards insane It's like, you know, it's hard to imagine from today's standards because, like, because there was a lot of optimism at that time. And, like, since then, with every movie, there's been those for and those against, except sort of except for Oak One.
1: Well, that's the thing I find kind of so fascinating about, like, Disney-level Star Wars, is that, like, outside of The Last Jedi, is there a Star Wars film that's genuinely controversial? As in, like, the fan... as much as she's like, if Solo was a bomb On a mainstream level The Star Wars fandom seems to Appreciate Solo They don't look at it as the second coming of Christ But They appreciate
0: it for what it is And even I, the Rise I, Go ahead I was going to say Rise of Skywalker is like Pretty divisive like amongst even Like extreme Disney supporters
1: Oh no! Rise of Skywalker is in a very, very unique place because nobody knows. To
0: this day, like we are almost two years
1: removed from that film's release, and nobody knows what to make of it. And I'm, I, I said, like I, I said it then. I'm gonna say it now. Of the sequel trilogy, give it ten years. That will be the film that everybody likes the most because it's the most pulpy, and it is even though it was a Oh god! I can't wait for the inevitable, like behind the scenes, like history of the rise of Skywalker. Um, but I, I think in ten years that will be the film that everybody gloms onto as the of the sequel trilogy, the most fun. It's gonna be seen as the Return of the Jedi of the sequel trilogy, and that like is it a fulfilling conclusion. Not ideally, but it was the most fun of the sequel trilogy because like it's just it, it's a, it's a romp. And take that what you will. Uh... It's, no, I'm not saying objectively good. I'm not yeah. saying objectively good. I said as in just a rock.
2: You know, you guys talk about the prequel trilogies. I talk about the original trilogies as my Star Wars. And the people that are going to be coming up and doing this stuff in 10, 15 years from now, that's going to be their Star Wars. That's what introduced them into it. So that's why they're going to sit there and say, well, that was the best movie I've ever seen in my whole life because that was their star wars that was their star wars you know you can't you can't sit there and put shade on their star wars
0: but do you but okay like uh do you but do you think like someone growing up with like those three movies like even becomes like a like a silly person like us who starts a podcast about (laughs) star wars like is are those movies good enough to like to like generate that sort of long-lasting fandom i'm not sure they are
1: I think, the okay, it's the same argument you could have made about the prequel trilogy in 2007. In 2007, I, uh, could you imagine anybody creating a podcast that grew up on those films? No. I, I, I don't think you've, I think, like I said, and I think that comes down even to, like, where I am. Like, as somebody who grew, I think about it. Like, I know Zenger always loves this, like, trivia tidbit about me. He's like, the first Star Wars film I ever saw was The Phantom Menace. And I didn't even want to see it. I was dragged to it Because a friend of my mother's Wanted to take us all to see it And and thousands of dollars Of late thousands of dollars later I'm here and that's What it comes down to it's Just that like I think the sequel Trilogy will have its fans But it's gonna take at least five To ten years for them to kind of cultivate the
0: biggest it's, problem, the biggest problem with what you just said, is the fact that the Phantom Menace is objectively way better than any of those three movies. I disagree.
1: I think the fan, the Phantom Menace is its own thing. I think they compare them to anything, okay, to compare the Phantom Menace to any other film, not just in Star Wars, but to just film history in general, is foolhardy because the Phantom Menace was the first time that like you took a major film franchise. And you gave a prequel. I, I think the Phantom Menace is this weird, like, oh god, cultural experiment that Lucas did that only he could do because he was a maverick. Like that's the thing about Lucas. It's like as much as people crap on Lucas, I hope he's seen as the cultural maverick that he truly is. But I mean, because-
0: what you just like—you could totally strip out. Like, let's forget the fact that it's just like way more compelling of a film than anything from the sequel trilogy. Let's forget that. Just there? what you said, it is. Just what you said about it makes it more interesting than the sequel trilogy. The fact that like it was the first to do this, it was uh, Lucas just like being crazy. Like you can't, like there, just that stuff makes it more interesting.
1: But this is the thing though, Chris, and this is where like, I, oh god, it's in such a weird place that like, I, the Force Awakens. Like over time, I become more and more. Appreciative of it because I love Everything that, come, that came after it In the form of The Last Jedi And The Rise of Skywalker To this day like I, it might be the bandwagon Aspect of me But I love The Rise of Skywalker Like I just I love that Film so much like I quote That film almost on like a daily Basis like I, I'll go around The people I'll just be like but there are more Of us Poe there are more Of us and then I'll start yelling Like Lando you did it you did it. And you know, I'm like, I, there's such a level of maybe it's disingenuous in that film, but it's just a level of just enthusiasm, like on a personal level. I, and I think it's just me. If there's anybody else in the audience that feels this way about the film, please email us, tweet us, Facebook us, whatever sort of social media verb us. Is it like I'll, I'll never forget that moment watching that film for the first time? Where you see Zori in her Y Wing, like shoot that cannon of the Star Destroyer, and it blows up. And you see Pony goes, Who's that flyer? Take a guess, Spice Runner. And he just has this like Oscar Isaac has this almost like infectious laugh. And he's like, ha, Zori, you made it. And I love that. Like there, it's there's something just so like on a personal level. So euphoric about the rise of Skywalker. Maybe it's exclusive to me. I don't know. Um, I know John justice after the last couple episodes, he's texted me and he's like, good to know, like I'm the, I'm not the only person that loves that film. Um, I don't know. Like, like there's just something so, so fun about the rise of Skywalker that is absent from both the force awakens And The Last Jedi. And that goes back even to like the prelude to The Rise of Skywalker. I remember like just talking to John Justice and he was somebody who was very, very much just like, oh God, neck deep in the spoilers for that film. And I remember just asking him like all these like cryptic questions about it. And he's like, dude, this is the attack of the clones of the sequel trilogy. And I'm like, are you for real right now? And he's like, unless I'm like, misreading this situation by like a horrible, horrible degree. I am getting an attack of the clones vibe from this film. And he wasn't wrong. Like The Rise of Skywalker is the fourth prequel. And that's how I will always describe that film to people. Like it just it just feels that way. Whereas The Force Awak- Awakens is a homage, oh I'm sorry, homage to the original trilogy. The Last Jedi is very much its own thing in that it's just it, it has its own priorities, for better or worse, whatever you think of that film. The Rise of Skywalker is just so pulpy. And I think that's what I love about it. The Rise of Skywalker just—is it, it, it a mess? Yes, objectively speaking. I, I've always said that about the film. It's an objective mess. But I love it so much. I just—God, I, I like my heart belongs to that film. You'll feel the creep crap on me now,
0: guys. No, I mean like I like there's like that would be that would be a waste that would be a waste of effort. Obviously, like you're you're making like I believe I believe you when you say you feel that way. When you're talking about like parts of it that you liked, like I struggle to actually remember what you're talking about. I don't that's just like (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I don't like when you talk, talk about like Zori and uh, my The least interesting character of all time Poe Dameron Like I don't know if I remember any. Oh, anyth- oh he's fun I don't know man He
1: commits mutiny against space lord That alone should make him endearing to everybody He commits space mutiny Like that's a fun Like think about it I don't care how much you hate or love The Last Jedi He commits quote Space mutiny Like that's a fun concept Whether you like it or not
0: yeah, that's like true. Star there, Wars. Was, there was a Star Space Wars. Mutiny plotline from Return of the Jedi that got cut out. That probably would have been good.
1: Like, that's the thing about, like, Star Wars fans. Is that, like, and I think this is, like, almost indicative of, like, Lucasfilm. Is that, like, it goes back to Lucas's, like, phrasing of Star Wars. And he's like, oh, it's just a, it's a film series for children. And I'm like, the problem is that Lucas has a hard time articulating himself. And this goes back to, like, even his own, like... Self critique of directing Actors in that It's the idea that like he has a hard time Explaining himself to people who don't understand How he talks and I think That's the thing is that like Star Wars is just pulpy Cinema that's what it is And the problem is that people take Pulpy as a bad thing Or they just don't know what that word means And when I use the term pulpy, it's just meant to be like a romp. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be like, oh man, guys, like we're going to get the bad guys. We're going to like win the day come hell or high water. And the problem is that like, that's what star Wars 1977 is. It's a romp in that the good guys defeat the bad guys. But the problem is that like the next chapter of that did such a great job of not just elevating the franchise, but just elevating cinema in general, We all kind of just like, 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 oh God, couldn't see the forest through the trees anymore. And that's the problem is like Star Wars fans kind of just like, like Empire is the ultimate benefit and detriment to the Star Wars franchise. And that it shows what you can do with the property, but it also shows that like Empire is such an enigma. You have to really understand it. God, to almost the microscopic level To understand that, like it was, it's such a specific moment in the story, and not that every film has to be that. Well, and that's what just drives me crazy about just like film culture as a whole.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I guess like like, and I guess I guess um, like the way I would look at that is like, who, what, like, how is it that we um, like it's 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 crazy to expect to get another moment in uh, like film history like that you know what i mean like you can't just mm-hmm. like it's the mcu is never like the mcu is a great example where it's like literally nothing in that whole thing is as compelling as the empire strikes back like it's like come at me it's not and it's just like the and like they're treating star wars like that now like they just are because they're sort of all over the place with the timeline and narratively and there's not there's not like a sort of narrative continuation of like the first six movies like there really isn't like it's just it there's nothing that like that there's nothing that like actually progresses that story of those first six movies like it's something else and they're sort of scatterbrained about it and it's just about sort of like the brand name at this point and like and that's okay like that's okay but like you're like I feel like it's crazy to to like talk about these movies like this is episode seven eight and nine it's like no there's a time where disney bought the company and there's everything that came out after that
1: well yes like i I don't disagree with you that like once lucas is involved is does all this lose a certain level of legitimacy of course like lucas was the maverick of hollywood he had the most profitable popular film franchise of all time and it was not owned by a corporation it was owned by one man who couldn't decide whether the name of the character was doku or Dooku. um that's,
0: well that but ever, that's because because he, he's on he's he's, he's 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 existing on a higher plane than than doku or Dooku, <laughs> man like he's existing on like the, the like the, the weight of the narrative and the hero's journey which is, is like, he, the, hero, the hero's is journey he is a though? concept that the hero's journey is a concept that Disney re- uh, totally rejects as an idea. So like there's that to deal with first.
1: I don't but this is the thing though. I don't know like this is the thing though. Everybody looks at Disney as if it's some malevolent force in the Star Wars continuity, whatever you want to call it misguided, franchise, but yeah. Sure, misguided, whatever. Choose whatever word you want to use. I but this is the thing though. Whereas Lucas was an auteur, you cannot argue that the man was an auteur. And this is the thing: Star Wars is no longer being run by an auteur. it's being run by a multinational, multi-billion corporation that's a slave to market research. And that's the problem. Is like it goes back to that the the antidote of the scorpion and the frog, in that the scorpion stings the frog not out of benevolence, but just out of it's my nature. And Disney is not doing anything that they think is detrimental to the longevity of star Wars. They're doing it because it's just in their nature. And I think the problem is anybody who has half of God, half a brain cell in their brain in the fandom has realized that at this point, the only people who are claiming otherwise are the people that are just the, Oh God, the, the, the weird sort of just people who are making money off of the, Oh God! Disdain for Disney, Star Wars, in the contemporary era, aka the bizarre, stupid on YouTube. Um, That's the thing. I don't think Disney. Disney has any sort of malevolence towards Star Wars. They're just doing based on what their conflicted level of market research tells them. And it's funny because, like, I, I, I just in the hour before we were recording this, I was going through my old Simpsons DVDs from season eight. And there's the episode of The Simpsons of, oh God, Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, where you have all the kids watching uh, test footage from Itchy and Scratchy, and you have the person who's in charge of the focus group and Milhouse is telling them like what they want, what the kids want to see, and you Itchy and Scratchy, and the person in charge of the focus group is like, so you want both stories that are. Fantastical and unrealistic combined with things that are grounded in reality. And they're like, uh-huh, yeah. And then you have, oh God, I forget what the the, the guy who's in charge of Richie and scratchy is behind the like dual-sided like glass who's like, you're stupid and dumb because you don't realize what you want. And I think that's the problem. It goes back to the old notion of market research in that it if you create a product for everyone, you appeal to no one. And I think that's the issue is that Lucasfilm just has to give somebody, whether it be Filoni or Favreau, creative control for better or worse. Unilateral yeah. control over this property.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, like, for, like, like I, I'm not going to lie. And I feel like this is sort of like where I feel like this is sort of where Disney is at right now. But like, like and I I don't like that this sort of always like I really didn't intend this to sort of turn into like by the way I don't like the sequel trilogy conversation <laughs> but like it, you know like when it comes to like the other things they're doing like if you look at like the um like the Galactic Star Cruiser thing if you look at the idea of Galaxy's Edge in general like some of the stuff they're doing merchandising wise like with Hasbro like I'm like don't get me wrong like there's a lot of new vintage collection figures I'm picking up and everything but, like for me it's like what can they do to sort of bring a new interesting take on like the six movies that I like actually like that sort of gives me something to be interested in and engaged with. And like, when I look at something like galaxy's edge, like just, and I think this came up the last time we recorded, but like just the fact that they have like a full scale Falk in there is like enough for me that they're doing something right. That like is providing value to me. Like with that franchise So like I don't it's it's not really For me it's like it's not really so much About like the movies they're putting out it's like It's sort of like how are they sort of Managing things like if I look at Like when Lucas was Still in charge post Revenge of the Sith Like the type of stuff that was Coming out then like how is that Stuff going Um
1: Like You're not wrong I agree with You in concept um, but this is the thing though, is, like as somebody who's a staunch defender of Disney era sequel trilogy nonsense, and you know, that like I have no interest to go see Galaxy's Edge. I just don't. Like I, I just I have no interest. Like I would rather sit there, like like I, my girlfriend and I have talked about it. Like it's like it's just a peek behind the curtain into Zach's personal life. Like I currently live in New York, I grew up in Florida for the first 12 years of my life. I want to move back to Florida. And we're currently kind of planning, like, an excursion to Florida to kind of just make sure that, like, that's something definitively we want to do. And, like, she's like, oh, like, while we're down there, do you want to do, like, any of the, like, theme park stuff? And I'm like, I don't want to go to Disney. Like, I'd rather go to Universal. Like, I'd rather, like, do their thing. And, like, as a diehard Star Wars fan, as someone who has literally been bludgeoned in their sleep by a Republic gunship, I have no interest going to Galaxy's Edge. Like, in and of itself. I just don't. Like to me, smugglers run. Like like flying a Millennium Falcon that's pilot that's like owned by Hondo Anaka, I have no interest in that. Like I I want no parts of that. Go hire Harrison Ford. Give Harrison Ford another $20 million paycheck. I want to fly the Millennium Falcon with Han Solo. I do not want to fly it with Hondo Anaka. And that's the thing. It's horribly misguided. And it even goes down to rise of the resistance. And that, like, oh, like, like, I, I, oh, god, this is, I, and this is something I want to do with its own episode of *Knights of Vader*. So I don't want to dip too far into the pool of it. But like, I was watching that behind the attraction like docu series that Disney Plus has on Star Tours, and there's a point toward the tail end of that episode where they talk about like, with, like, the, they're interviewing a different Imagineers, and they're like, oh, like we were like first like blue skying. Star Wars landed at Disney Park We were like oh should we do Hoth Should we do Tatooine Should we do all these different planets that we've been teasing For 20 years with Star Tours And it's like Bob Iger said We can only do sequel trilogy stuff Because that's our Star Wars And I'm like and It goes back to stuff that I was saying God two years ago two is literally the most Boring thing to ever happen to Star Wars It's beige Vanilla Star Wars And I'm just like I don't care I'm like I just like I, They should have made Tatooine For the same reason why the Eisner mandated That Endor Vendors at Star Tours Was changed to Tatooine Traders In 1999 They should have made the most Eisley Cantina it, it, it goes back to Ooga Booga's Cantina My argument of that in 2019 No Star Wars should not be this blank canvas on a theme park level. There's a reason why that when they took the Norway pavilion out of Epcot and they made it Arendelle for Frozen, they they made it that for a reason because they realized fans of Frozen wanted to go to Arendelle. Imagine if they made instead of Arendelle generic village next to Arendelle. Like, would people still be intrigued? Sure. But little seven-year-old girls would would not want to be begging their parents to go to it just the same. And yet, for Star Wars fans, Bob Iger and I—once again, like I, I wish, out of the like seven people who listen to Knights of Vader on a regular basis, would realize this. Kathleen Kennedy is not the villain here. It's Alan Horn and most likely Bob Iger who are the villains of. Disney era Star Wars Bob Iger Iger, I think has done More irreputable damage to Star Wars Brand than anybody In the history of Lucasfilm In a weird way like Look at it the man technically Bob Iger Has not been in charge of Star Wars now For what 14 To 18 months give or take And guess what we are currently in the Most Tranquil period of Star Wars Fandom we've experienced Since the release of The Force Awakens And I really hope that Bob Chapek Who is somebody who we've really not talked about A lot on Nights of Vader Leaves Lucasfilm alone I hope he is so So busy with handling Marvel and The pandemic That he leaves Lucasfilm alone Because I think if you leave Lucasfilm alone It will figure itself out But at the end of the day, I think Alan Horn and Bob Iger are more to blame for the pitfalls of Disney era Star Wars than anybody else. I think the best thing that can happen to Star Wars is that Bob Iger is away from not just Lucasfilm, but the Walt Disney Company as a whole.
0: I think I think the biggest difference between like what like what I'm looking for and what you just described is like like I'd be excited about going to see like a full scale Millennium Falcon like in somebody's backyard like i don't care that it's like bought to you you know what i mean like that's like exactly i, I feel I like agree. i feel like just seeing that is almost like better than like that falcon ride probably is
1: i i like i said i i agree with you wholeheartedly like nobody will doubt my affinity for star wars i think that's fair to say considering that i have sunk god hundreds of dollars into this podcast without expecting any sort of uh Reward for it for better or worse Um, Like I said if we ever Do a Knights of Vader Patreon I promise all of you Who would hypothetically Subscribe the first episode will Be explaining the history of This podcast and and Chris is one of the very few people who knows The extensive history Of this podcast Um, it's a Juicy tale Um, It's the idea that like Bot Two in Galaxy's Edge does nothing for me. It just doesn't. I think any Star Wars fan that goes to Galaxy's Edge is doing it just solely for the sake of doing it. i I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. It's that but it's the idea that just you're doing it solely is just a notch on your proverbial Star Wars belt.
0: Am I, I wrong, Chris? I th- you know, I you're you're being sort of proven right over time. I guess well, it'll be remain remains to be seen. But like when I when I sort of first heard it pitched that way, like I like, and I still sort of believe this that like I think that 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 uh, canonical location was picked so that they could sort of play around with the time period without it being like too relevant to like most of the facade that they built there. I don't know if that's going to pan out to like be true, but I like, I like I, that was the, the, like, that seems like the most rational reason to make a choice like that to me. They did. They did that on
1: purpose because what happened, like if you look at like the flagship ride of galaxy's edge is rise of the resistance. And that ride is cannon breaking because in the pre-show you see both Ray And Finn in their Last Jedi outfits Yet the Kylo Ren animatronic Is Force Awakens Kylo Ren It's a canon breaking experience And if you look at what Galaxy's Edge is supposed to be It's the notion of We don't want to tell you a story in the Star Wars universe It's meant to be a blank canvas For your, the guest experience And that's all you need to know It's meant to be there Again, Galaxy's Edge doesn't exist to appeal To Star Wars fans It's there to appeal to the normies Who are there to take pictures on Instagram And then share it to their Thousands of Instagram followers It's not meant for you and I, Chris If we enjoy it, that's a positive Benefit, they're not gonna gonna Be unhappy, but it's meant For the normies in the audience It's for the same reason why that when they make These films, when they make these $200 million blockbusters They're not doing it for the hardcore fans. They're doing it for the people who think about Star Wars twice a year, which is a phrase I have not said in a couple of years now. And that's the thing that like, I think hardcore Star Wars fans really have to kind of wrap their heads around is the notion that like these Disney properties, whether it be like the ones that cost tens of millions of dollars, they're not meant for the diehards. They're meant for the casual fans who are this just there to kind of just piggyback or just enjoy it as a passive experience? It's the equivalent of God taking a picture in front of something that's just trendworthy on social media. It's just there to get an X amount of likes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, if that's still a thing. And I think that's just a disheartening facet of all this for us who have been there for star wars in both the lows and the highs and that star wars is a commodity just like anything else in this in the disney empire it's one horse amongst many in the stables
0: well yeah you know i think that's a i think that's a wonderful segue to like some uh some a couple other things i want to talk about uh today yes talk about razor crest
1: Fan productions Chris like that was the Technical oh god that was Technically the original thesis of This episode
0: Well uh, you know uh, like This is what I'm saying right so It's like I like I Can um like Like I sort of like mentally Exist in a place where Like the Expanded universe and the first six movies Were really awesome and like that's Why I'm still a Star Wars fan (laughs) so like you know like it doesn't uh, uh, like when they do something right like i can appreciate it without like taking it too seriously when they do something wrong like i think that's like where i exist right now and it's a good thing but like so like when i see like there's this whole phenomenon like uh adjacent to star wars uh figure collecting where I I, I suppose like oh man I'm speaking a little bit out of school here because I'm not too deep into it but I suppose the broader description of the the subgenre would be called designer toys and the most famous bootleg toy designer in our modern era would be a guy called the Suck Lord who made like some pink stormtroopers like in the late 90s that were very popular and that sort of got this whole thing going where like some guy will make like a, some variant of a star Wars figure and like release it carded as sort of a signed numbered art piece. And it, it's just a fun thing that you can partake in. That's sort of mildly illicit, but like it's probably cooler than anything you can buy that's officially <laughs> licensed at the current time. So there's a, there's a the one, there's a lot of uh, very popular creators in this sort of genre right now. One of them is called has no talent. I've never bought anything from him. <laughs> I've n- th- I, I love this that guy's name. this guy's big. That's a like, name. Yeah, this guys big right now. I've never <laughs> bought anything from him before this week, but uh, you know he's been posting this. He's do, he's done a sort of Kenner sort of retro style Razor Crest that's like it looks like it's completely vac metalized with this silver collar. Presumably, it's some sort of like electroplating technique because to actually vac metalize something you basically need a factory and maybe he's sending these maybe these are done in a factory i don't know but uh like it's basically like this chrome razor crest and uh it's it was in canadian dollars it was like a couple hundred dollars cheaper than the Haslab razor crest which i did not buy and it's a little bit smaller a little bit more manageable. So like I ordered that from this guy just because it looks completely ridiculous. And like, I
3: just
0: like I was out of control, man. Like I like this guy sells only (laughs) this guy sells only through Instagram. Like he literally will post something on Instagram and you have to type claim. And then like he said, I got four of these ready to go and I'm going to do maybe like 20 or 30 more before I close it up. So like maybe he's done like something less than a hundred of them total. And it's like this sort of rudimentary, like the exterior looks really good, but it's like it's a basic paint job. It's literally just like chrome looking. And it, but then the interior is like a simplified version of what you'd get with the HasLab one. It's got a couple seats and like I think all the, it has like all the doors, like the side door and the like the if, rear if, door.
1: If I might say, as like an objective third party viewer, I looked at this and I find it like it's just like shiny. Like, I, I don't know, like, how good Skibby is a physical, like, representation of the actual Razor Crest. But, like, is when I look at this thing, like, Chris isn't kidding. Like, it is, like, the faux vac, like, metal aesthetic of the Razor Crest. It nails 100%. But that's pretty much just it, in my humble opinion. But, right. please, excuse me.
0: No, no, it's, uh, no, you're like, and you bring up a good point, which is, like, there's one other of these sort of, like, bootleg art toy creators that i've partaken in before and that guy's uh instagram is called acquired taste industries and like i think like this guy's a little bit i I feel like this guy's a little bit underrated so i'd like i'd like people to check him out it's acquired taste industries on instagram and like his stuff is like he'll take like a like a vintage star wars figure and like mash it up with like a cultural meme of some kind that like just like sings in an amazing way. And like graphic design wise and figure design wise, like it's some of the most interesting stuff I've ever seen. And of course it's completely non-canonical. So like, for example, like one of his early um, figures was uh, a firm acquired taste is something called Emperor Cryogenius, which is an R2 with a Epcot center dome on his head and a frozen Walt Disney head inside of like a glass tube, <laughs> Futurama style. So it's like Walt Disney surviving after his death in a robot body with the Epcot Center on his head. So, like, my of course. So I bring this up to point out that, like, you're absolutely right that is the HasLab Razor Crest more screen accurate than this ridiculously blinged out, fact metalized one? Absolutely. It's more of like, it's an, it's it's more of like, it's more connected to like the person who released it as an artist on some level, it's just like the general ridiculousness of it. So like, it's sort of like, it's partly what it's inspired by. It's partly the statement being made by the person who released it. And the fact that it's like sort of quasi legitimate in terms of how it was released. There's maybe the tiniest bit of legal gray area if it's like a one-off art piece, but uh you know it's so what i'm what i'm getting at is like it's sort of like it's not kind of saying that it's not as screen accurate as the hasbro one is sort of besides the point for me
1: fair and i think like no i definitely picked up on that like the Haslab one is impressive and i definitely regretted not getting that until it got blown up in the show and then like i was just like man dodge that bullet um yeah, I don't know. Like I said, the Razor Crest is a weird, like one of those things where, um, I we don't know its place in Star Wars lore. Uh, it makes sense now as to why it didn't show up in the ending battle of the Rise of Skywalker, which makes which leads me to believe they had some idea. Of the fact that it was getting get blown up this whole time. Um, I don't know. Like I said, like I, I've seen both the one that uh, Chris recently purchased, and I saw the Hasbro one. Obviously, I again. I agree with you, Chris, and that like, it's kind of besides the point when it comes to like, which one's the more factually accurate one. Cause clearly Hasbro has access to assets and, and oh God, reference data that a fan would never even dream of. Um. Yes. And uh,
0: let's, and just quick pause, let me remind everyone, anyone out there who, and uh, who did pre-order the HasLab one. If you were if we're speaking very strictly about the scale, it's still almost fifty percent undersized the Haslab one. Like, let's be real.
1: Well, okay, sure, but I think this went even to like the last episode we did when we were talking about like the scale of like a Republic gunship and that like what is it like what is the actual scale of a Republic gunship?
0: I'm so glad you reminded me of that because like I was way off on that last recording. Like the Lego one that everyone was complaining about the scale is basically perfect. I posted a comparison shot from, I posted a comparison shot from attack of the clones on the Knights of Vader Instagram. And like the actual ceiling in there, like a clone can't actually reach it. Like the thing they're hanging on to is like a mobile piece that comes down. Like if you look at those shots, okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Is somebody who has worshiped the Republic gunship ever since 2002, um, the UCS gunship Lego set, The scale
0: is horrendous
1: on that. Like, it is not in
0: scale. Okay, well, here's what I would point out. If you like, like, the Hasbro
1: one is wrong too. The Hasbro is at
0: least like 30 40% undersized. It
1: it is, but like, do do you see, like, if you want the perfect Republic gunship, it's like the Lego set from like 2012 that is okay. the ideal scale
0: yeah so like the thing is with lego figures like they're obviously like their proportions are so weird that it's hard to like gauge the scale when looking at them because a lego figures helmet is the same size as a three and three quarter star wars figures helmet <laughs> like it doesn't like it doesn't really it's hard to sort of conceptualize it but like i would say if you look at like the uh like the the gun spheres on that comparison shot that i posted on the and Knights of Vader Instagram, like, looks pretty close to the real deal on that UCS.
1: My problem is that, like, spending, like, $350 on that UCS is the idea that, like, I'm not spending that amount money for something that's kind of close. Okay, well, here's, here's what I would money, say. I
0: want, okay. I want it closer than that. You make a good point, and what I would say is they should not include figures with it, because that's what's messing it up. And those figures don't look as accurate as the ship itself does anyway.
1: Considering the lack of minifigs in that set, I wholeheartedly agree. If you're only going
0: to include two, then don't include any at all. Yeah, and like maybe people wouldn't have been commenting on that if they didn't include any.
1: But yeah, LEGO, Lego collectors are their own beast, which I really don't have any sort of like meaningful foot in that arena.
0: Exactly. Like you know, like I like I don't I don't want to like rain on the Lego parade, but like Like if I'm going to have like a physical representation of something, I would like it to be a little more screen accurate than having studs all over it. I have not one of those people who's taken a particular joy in the act of assembling Lego sets myself. I have a few of the, like, I don't, I I think I like, I think I truth be told one single star Wars Lego set. I have more halo mega block sets than I do have star Wars Lego sets. I got a Republic Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I got a Republic tank. From like the Clone Wars. Oh, that's the only Lego set I have. From God, from what? Two thousand three? No, actually, they put this out like not long ago, maybe two or three years ago. It came with a A Ahsoka. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Republic tank. That's I haven't heard that in a while. Right there's a there's a semi recent Republic tank Lego set
1: that's from like the last five years for sure. Everybody forgets that
0: 2003
1: uh, 2002 game. That came out in December 2002. Nobody talks about the Dark Reaper project.
0: I mean, like we, you know, we've tra- we've tried, I mean, like the idea of like an evil Sith UFO that like sucks the life force out of stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, sign me up. Like I feel like they could, they could have done more with that. The, and like you have Ulik Keldroma like from from like Tales of the Jedi communicating with Anakin Skywalker. Uh, it's just wild stuff that game and like people should pay more attention to it
1: man that's oh god star wars ufo you kind of just deflated that game in like one i guess somebody who's not played that game in like nearly 20 years the fact that you phrased it as star wars ufo okay man. well
0: you know like come on like i'm like i don't look at that as a derogatory term like like i'm you know like i want to believe but um but, 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 like, you know, it has, it's a real fascinating story. It's like, a, it's just like a random Clone Wars story where, like, Dooku, like, digs up this old Sith artifact, like, that's like a force harvester. And they put that in a giant UFO, to be clear. <laughs> <That's what
1: happened. laughs> I know. Oh, oh, I know. I remember the game very, very vividly. Um, It's just, I never thought of it that way until just now. Oh, no, like, uh, no, no disrespect to that game. But, like, yeah. man. Like,
0: when, like... like, the assault on the, the Thule moon is like, one of the most formative gaming experiences, like I can recall, like from my youth, like just like the 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 design of that game, like the uh, some of the planets, like you have a er, I mean, is it the first appearance of Raxus Prime, like the garbage planet yeah. that I think that shows up in yep. the Clone Wars show as well, and maybe even Fallen Order. Does it show up in Fallen Order? Or no, no, no uh, force unleashed,
1: force unleashed, yeah.
0: Right so oh, you god. know like Sidon
1: side Prax the bounty hunter that was hired Right after Django Fett it also dies
0: Yeah stock replacement Django Fett Like it has everything <laughs> It does Oh
1: god Deep cut Star Wars reference the 2003 game Uh 2002 game I keep saying 2003 for some reason Oh god Star Wars back when things Were so so less complicated Than they are right now <sighs> Joe do you have any insights into any of this Or are you just enjoying the nonsense banter
2: no, oh, actually, I put something in the in the uh, in the chat. If you guys want to take a look at it, I'm also sharing a screen. If you want to take a look, and Chris, this is what we were what you were talking about before—the Razor Crest.
0: Yeah. So, like, I don't know for a fact if the has no talent guy just like designed it himself or bought a 3D model and then like produced it and did the insane paint job. So, like, I'm sort of agnostic about that. I think it's a little more. <sighs> primitive looking than the one you're showing us the one the one i got i think it's a little bit less detailed than the one the one you got up here
2: because that one would snap together and you can buy the you could buy that blueprint for Mm 34.99 buy more than you save more
0: i understand that what you're saying joe but um like i would also have to buy a 3d printer and like know what i'm doing and also like the, like, it, like, if that's actually, like, nickel electroplated, like, the kind of setup you'd need to, like, do something like that in your house is, like, like, I saw there's a guy on YouTube called Toy Poloy that, like, shows, like, an electroplating setup for, like, he tries to do, like, just a just a C-3PO figure and, like, it, like, his whole family would think he's, like, making, like, heroin or something. Like, it's just like, <laughs> chem- chemicals and smoke and blue liquids and like electricity and like a car jumper like if this guy like worth every penny for me not to have to deal with that but i like you know i like i think it's a fairly accurate model and i think here like here's the real the thing for me is like the one i ordered with this sort of whether it's i don't think it's actually vag metalized I like i could ask the guy but um but, like, I feel like something like that would look like if you just did a sort of standard sort of black wash on it, like, where you put, like, some black acrylic paint and then, like, clean it off just so it gets in all the grooves and everything. I think it would look amazing if I did that. Will I be brave enough to do that? Probably not. Because it's, like, like, the, like I don't know how secure the paint job is. Like, if I started washing off that chrome when I'm trying to clean off the black, like... That'd be a disaster. So like I probably won't try that. But I I mean like that would that's the that's the real look, right? Like you a metal look with also weathering. Like that's something that like even the Haslab one's gonna have a hard time doing.
2: Because there's a bunch of these different ones for different ships. You could do the Republic gunship, they actually give it to you in two different sizes.
0: So you mean like they have like an actual three and three quarter scale Republic gunship three D model that you can print? That would probably be like Three and a half feet wide, like wingtip to wingtip.
2: Well, the scale on this, you can either get it in scale 134th or 168th. 168. Interesting. Doesn't give me a reference on how big the thing is, though.
0: Right. So, like, Zach, I'm guessing, like, sort of this, like, this whole, like, sort of unlicensed stuff has no appeal for you whatsoever. Uh.
1: Not really. Um, like I have no ability to three print anything. Um, I've always been somebody who, if it has the official like official logo, I will just like throw my wallet at it. Um, yeah, like like un- unauthorized stuff never has never really interested me. Not really. Like I, I am somebody who needs to have like the official like copyright stamp or trademark on it for me to be like truly intrigued by it. But that's just my own personal taste. <laughs>
0: no, that's I mean that's fair like I feel like I pr- probably felt that way like prior to 2015 and like for some I don't know what it is but for some reason like I care less about that since then it's more about like who actually is who's getting it who's like sort of like and, and like I say that as somebody who like I like like don't get me wrong, like I'm actively picking up like some vintage collection stuff. Like I'm not complete on it. It's just like the figures I like, I'm I've still been buying. And like so like Hasbro's like not totally messing up as far as I'm concerned. Like there's been some sort of interesting stuff. Like um like the, the new uh the new three and three quarter Return of the Jedi Boba Fett is definitely the best Boba Fett three and three quarter figure that's ever come out. They they have like the K2SO is really good like the you know over the last year they've had like probably ten that are like really great and like I'd say that unironically it's just like with the odd thing like for whatever reason like a weird sort of off-brand like rebellious like like metallic-looking Razor Crest appealed to me slightly more than the Haslab one and I don't know what the deal with that is but like I feel like. It's uh, definitely going to be a statement piece around around the place.
1: It's certainly going to be exclusive to you. That's that's for certain. Yeah,
2: one of the things too is with the with all of the toys. One thing that was was a real big eye opener for me is especially when the Force Awakens comes out. Was the the amount of Star Wars toys that were in clearance bins when I walked through Toys R Us when it was still open around here.
1: Ain't that the truth?
2: You don't get that anymore as much. And that's one of the things that you have to, that's probably what they're going to be going for. You know, you know, Lucas before, you know, we, we used, I talk about sometimes when I was, uh, when I was a KB manager and, you know, we'd be inundated with that stuff. We'd be buying it, getting it in hands over fist. There'd be aisles of it there, in front of the store would be littered with that. But when that stuff went on clearance it went on clearance it was there was a lot of it and all of it was especially from episode one is like you get you know you get every once in a while you get an r2 you get a a 3po without the the skin on it but you had a lot of Ricolets. and <laughs> you know you, your clearance bins would be like r2 and c3po would go for two dollars and Ricolet would go for 50 cents it was one of those but uh, because you had so much of it, um, seeing that probably affected Disney's decision to go, you know, all out with these with these figures, especially for the movies, because if if it didn't sell once, what how how would it sell again? They're not going to sit there and and have all that stuff go onto a clearance bin that's not good for for their business.
0: So, hold on, so you're, like, let me, Let's. I just want to, like, swing back to something. Like, you're saying, like, when you were at KB, like, the Ricolets were, like, manually priced lower than the other figures?
2: Yes, because we had so many of them.
0: That's amazing. Like, I saw, so, like, I don't know, I think I posted this in the Knights of Vader Facebook group, but, like, I was at a, I was at, like, a, like, an antique mall, like, maybe, like, a week or two ago, and, like, I came across a place that had, like, a bunch of Episode One stuff, including this, like sort of role-playing, uh, like, Sith droid that, like, shoots little discs at you. Yes! And, and like, yeah, yes! Yeah. yeah, like, so the, there's, like, the it was, like, a almost, like, I don't know how underscaled that Sith droid was, but I would have bought that just to, like, have that droid, like, sitting somewhere. It was already sold, but sitting there, like, just to annoy the hell out of me, like, with a sold <laughs> tag on it. But uh, that same vendor had... Realistically, twenty ricoles like, Yeah, like and then then he
2: probably picked it up at for fifty cents a piece at KB Toys. But it, it was it was it was bad. The amount of stuff and the amount of product that we got through. If it wasn't Obi Wan Kenobi, if it wasn't Darth Maul, nothing really sold.
0: For yeah, episode that's one. That- that's interesting like that reminds me of like where i was at like sort of collecting wise at the time like the only the only episode one figure i bought that contemporary with like them coming out was just one darth maul
2: yeah it was just the one darth maul and then he had him with his he had him with the speeder yes and then probably later releases is when you got the one with that was cut in two um (laughs) that was that was way after the movie.
0: okay so like so like but like okay so just real quick like best episode one stuff like like for sure like if you're looking at the stuff with actually like the Darth Maul like red and black packaging like I think there's some stuff we just really didn't appreciate at the time like I got the uh like and I don't own very much of it now but like the uh I think it's called the like the oh the opie fish like there's this they made like one of the fish that attacks their their submarine yes, yes i have that and, somewhere so like i got that now like and i bought it sealed and opened it and it comes with a qui-gon that has like an aquaman like trident for him to like fight this fish with which is like some of the best like didn't happen in the movie nonsense ever like it's a swimming qui with like a like like a like a spear from Atlantis, from to like fight this fight this fish that has this very satisfying like jaw biting a, uh, action feature.
2: But the, the so, biggest the, the biggest draw from that movie was was the Darth Maul and then the lightsabers. The lightsabers you couldn't keep those in stock because they were the the electronic ones yeah. from back in the day that actually had the telescoping.
1: I could never. You know, I could, as a kid, as somebody who was a. Uh, Six years old, going on 7 in 1999, I could never find the Obi-Wan one. All I, Obi-Wan was my favorite character from The Phantom Menace at that age, and all I could ever find was the Darth Maul and Qui-Gon ones. It, it wasn't until Attack of the Clones that I could find Obi-Wan lightsaber. I didn't even know they made one until, like, years later.
2: Oh, I still have my Qui-Gon in the box.
1: Sweet. I still have my Qui-Gon lightsaber, even though, like, it's actually, like, broken from how many times like I used it to, like, hit the Darth Maul one. It's actually cracked in the back i love it
0: that's awesome but, no. but that's awesome but like to be frank like i can't unless it's the one that comes with that uh that that sort of sith droid disc game that i'm talking about like unless that's Quagon's hilt like i can't actually picture what Quagon's hilt looks like bringing it back I have to, like that the too. fact I, there's way I too many that hilts too. at there's way too many hilts at galaxy's edge. Cause like, oh, I'm not even sure what Qui-Gon's looks like to be honest.
1: Qui-Gon has the most straightforward hilt of any like lightsaber in the entire franchise. It was just like black, right? Like pretty much with like, it has an igniter switch. Like it's the only one that has like a straightforward, just like ignition switch. Yeah. Oh God. Where is it? Like it's gonna dry. Oh, here it is. Okay. Real quick. Uh, this is going to be like Zenger loves to say, this is going to sound uh, horrible in a, uh, audio only medium. But uh, here I go. Okay, let's see. You don't know, want to see my ugly mug. Okay, how do I switch the camera? Can you see me?
0: Uh, that is, yes. okay, okay, so like this is the first time I've really seen how many Star Destroyers Zach actually has above <laughs> head. And it's like, no I can't lesson.
1: change the camera. I can't change the camera. I feel so naked. Um, this is what happens, you know, update the Skype app.
0: The, uh, this room looks legitimately dangerous.
1: I, I got bludgeoned by a uh, Republic gunship. That is a legit thing that happened. Um, I don't know how to change the camera perspective on this, so I'm just going to point it toward the lightsaber. Can you see it, Chris? Yeah, so that's quite, that's quite. This gone. is, this is the one that comes from that set that you wanted to buy, yet it was already sold.
0: Well, don't, it. don't get it twisted. Like I had that, I had that as a kid too. And like, that's why I wanted it so bad. <laughs> but, um, but I don't know what happened oh, Chris. to it. Yeah. This is this is arguably the most a- accurate lightsaber hilt
1: you can get like based on like TPM merchandise.
0: Right, cuz the bl- the blade that screwed into that was ridiculous. Like it was actually a yes. baseball bat. Yeah.
1: Yes. But it, this is cool. I I always love this hilt. That's why uh I still have the blade, the comically large blade somewhere, but I've always like removed the hilt because this hilt was always my favorite growing up cuz it's like it's the perfect size.
0: But I take it you don't have the droid anymore.
1: No, I have all of it. Oh, no, I have all of it. Probably the stand is probably the only thing that's probably either missing or it's just in so many different pieces. It would take me forever to find it.
0: Nice. Yeah. So like, you know, like there's just like, you know, a lot of great stuff came out for episode one. And like that is a perfect example. Like we probably I probably did a terrible job of explaining it. But like the like sort of like Sith, like probe droid that Darth Maul shoots out, like this thing would come came on a stand that was probably like three feet high, and like it would actually look towards where the lightsaber was and shoot oh, no, I, at you. It oh,
1: yeah. As crazy. a kid, like I loved it. Like, I wish it would have remade something else for like modern kids. Like, I would, I, it would have been great. Like, in the uh, oh god, like for the Rise of Skywalker, considering like Ray has to fight a probe droid or not a probe but like a training droid that have been great. Or even if you want to go back to like uh a new hope stuff, but like they could have remade that at any time considering Luke has to fight one.
0: Yeah, but you know, that would be um that would be a oversized uh secret droid. So I don't know how much that would make sense because like they do the-
1: At least, at <laughs> least it's they're trying, Chris. At least they're trying. Beggars yeah. can't be choosers when it yeah. comes to contemporary Lucasfilm film has, bro.
0: Yeah, but the point is that was like a that was like a very sort of unique piece that was like part of the Hasbro line, and like it was magnificent, and like I'm not sure, like and especially from Hasbro, I'm not sure anything sort of like hit that level of like ingenuity and like intrigue on the same level. Do you like? Do you remember what the
1: MSRP of that was back in 1999?
0: I have no idea. I got it for Christmas.
2: It was like twenty bucks.
0: So that'd be around fifty today, give or
1: take.
2: Yeah. Which
0: Somewhere is which is 20. which is sadly what the uh, antique mall vendor was asking for, it, and I would have gladly paid it were it not already sold. Fifty dollars. Which is like, you know, thirty five dollars US or whatever it is. Man, so it
1: was even less than inflation.
0: Yeah, which is really, like, when you think about, like, this, but, you know, this is what, this is what's the crazy thing about this whole sort of, like, and, like, we'll call episode one vintage toy collecting because it's, like, over 20 years old, but, like, like, the, just the fact that someone, like, that is, that box, the size of that box was no joke. Like, just the fact that someone kept that sealed, no less, for the last, like, 20-some years is worth more than $35 to me. Oh, like 100%. like how like so, that literally like burdened someone for like maybe sure maybe it was in a storage unit but they were paying monthly for that to continue to exist for me to eventually buy it for $50 which is like a complete bargain as far as I'm concerned But I think just it the promised- sh-
2: just the sheer amount of stuff that they put out especially for for those movies is you know well that's that's the other thing you have to also realize is that lucas used to that that's what his thing was his thing was merchandising he made sure that the the, the original characters sat there and signed off their likeness he made money off them
1: lots well, of the money was yeah that's that, that was the joke was that like there was it was the merchandise that paid for Lucasfilm, exactly. not the uh not the box office
0: receipts no And the funniest thing about that is that, like, not... I think if you look at, like, the original sort of Kenner figures, like, there's, like, 96 of them. Like, I'm I'm probably the most familiar with those out of the three of us. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, maybe Joe remembers them, but, like, better. But And, Zach, I get the feeling you haven't, like deeply looked into those just because you don't find them interesting for whatever reason like none of them look like the actors like not at all like you wouldn't even need it's like how super 7 when they do reaction figures like they don't actually need likeness rights from the actors to do them because they're so basic like Mm -hmm. it's down to like a haircut and there's like a couple dots for eyes like that's pretty much what it comes down to so it's just funny that like there's like people do always sort of talk about how the actors signed away their likeness rights and like obviously that's relevant to any use of like promotional photography or print stuff where you actually see a picture of them but like those figures didn't look like anything like i think (laughs) i think the only like, original, like, vintage Kenner figure that, like, like looked a little bit like the actor was, like, right near the end when they did, like, a Sebastian Shaw ghost Anakin. He kind of looks like the actor. And that's the only one, for sure.
2: The Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker, the one in the, uh, in the Rancor pit, actually looked pretty decent, like Mark Hamill.
0: I mean... We'll let the audience decide when I post it on the internet.
2: <laughs> yeah. For nineteen eighty four it wasn't that bad. Yeah I
0: mean, besides a hair color and a couple dots for eyes, like I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> but like but like you know, like the like the like yeah, like we'll 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 put that up there and the audience can decide. But like it's just funny that like I, I you know, like you like when uh when Carrie Fisher was doing sort of like uh like speaking engagements where in like for her book tours and stuff she'd like it would come up this whole and like it made like an empire basically it's just funny I, I, it's just funny to me to sort of remark on like how primitive like those early figures actually looked because like you like you like if you know who it's supposed to be maybe but but that's the beyond that you have no idea what you're looking at you got radio interference the government's shutting it down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's interesting. That's not a good sound. <laughs>
3: you know,
0: I mean, it sounds like someone's phone is sitting on their microphone wire at the moment. <laughs> like, sure, is it me? Is it me? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, all right, it seems to have stopped yeah so so you know, but like, it's just funny that the, like those old figures really look nothing like the actors, and uh, uh like I think it's easy to take for granted like stuff like the sort of photo reel printing they're doing now because like you you even go back to like what the black series looked like at the start of the force awakens launch, and like it's comical how basic their character faces look compared to what they're doing now, like only five years later, like it only took the, them but that was 40 but that was the...
1: figured out. <laughs> thing. I swear like when it came to like Disney Star Wars figures they they knew that technology was available they just chose to deliberately hold back on it knowing that they could then re-release all these figures and collectors would feel compelled to buy the more like screen accurate faces because I think about like who wants a Force Awakens wet ray where she has like this weird sort of just like gobbledygook face. When you can have like a Rise of Skywalker array that looks almost like a physical representation Relatively speaking of Daisy Ridley They know what they're doing Like that's what frustrates me with Hasbro So like that that was a marketing decision No more no less I would
0: agree, I would agree if it had Turned up earlier in like a Marvel Legends line or something but I don't think it did I think that sort of premiered around the same Time for both
1: I, I disagree because like there was like m- like Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow figures from like the early 2010s that look pretty spot on. Like go look at like a Thor action figure from like 2011. Like it looks just like Chris Hemsworth. It's not perfect, but like it looks closer to Chris Hemsworth than like Ray figures did of Daisy Ridley in
2: 2015. Well, now, were, I mean, go ahead, Joe. They were doing real scan figures for wrestlers back in the 2000s.
0: OK, so like I need to we need to be like super like, you know, because those the, that the, for that one guy who's listening, who's like screaming right now, like you got to be super <laughs> clear about what you're talking about, because like there's the sculpt and then there's like the paint application. Right. So like the 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 sculpt, photo is there, reel, but
1: the, the sculpt is there, but the paint application like atrocious.
0: Right. Because like on those yeah. early Black Series figures, like their face was literally like three colors that were like used they use like a paint mask and like they're like they put on they put them on there and there's no like gradients there's no like transition tones there's no weathering right so when they print it you get a lot more of the like sort of intermediary like colors and tones and like it's just a more subtle look because like when they paint it it's just like such solid blacks and whites that it's like it looks like uh, like it like it, it just like you look at a force awakens ray black series figure it looks like a kid did it compared to what they're doing now. Like All right, it's just, real
1: quick. Yeah. No, real quick. I am looking at a. Uh, I found out the official name of the uh, episode one game that, uh, episode, um, that Chris was talking about. It's officially called the Sith droid attack game. And I love the packaging. The packaging says it tracks you. It attacks you. Your lightsaber is your only defense exclamation point. And then in the corner, it has the little, like, Sith probe droid, like, on a stick. And it says, quote, and I'm not even making this up, I will find them. You know, from our favorite moment from The Phantom Menace, when the probe droid screams, I will find them at Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, This is delightful. Like This is a sort of, like, packaging I wish Hasbro would go back to, where there's, like, a level of camp involved with designing it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like, I mean, it's not the probe droid saying that, it's Darth Maul saying that to Darth Sidious, of course. But um, maybe it's, is it, maybe, no. some, maybe somebody got confused.
1: Based on the packaging, it seems that the droid is saying that. I, Darth Maul is nowhere mentioned on this packaging. Came with like straight face
0: well, you know, um, But if the trace was correct, you will find them quickly. So you know that's what it's referencing. It, it, like in my estimation. But uh, I love but how there's,
1: it, there's, there's little there's little like like oh god lines and like descriptions where it's like two biaxial infrared trackers. <laughs> like they treat this thing as if it's the most like on the cutting edge of technology, like not just for a toy but just in general. Okay, it's but like, like, it's like delightful. But like it's delightful. Rem-
0: I, I mean, but do you remember any other toy that, like, looked where you were and shot at you? Because, like, I don't... Oh, no. Know.
1: Oh, no. No, it's del- no, I love this. But, like, that's the sort of thing that I wish Hasbro would go back to. Instead of making more just, like, generic Mission Fleet garbage that, like, nobody's going to care about, I wish they would have done something like this. Like, I wish they at least would have tried of making a, like, a, like a level of, like, interactive toy that people just, like... You know, if it's a little kitschy, it's at least a... like. it's at least fun. Like if you're gonna make a failed product, at least make one that's its heart is in the right place. Whereas like Mission Fleet just sits on toy shelves and dies.
0: Yeah, like that thing was genuinely fun to play with. Like I don't know if you remember, but like that was Oh, I loved it. That was the game stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh it was. Like (laughs) I've never played with that forever. Uh, oh no, like it was fun, man. Like I I, again I wish they would have made more toys like that. There's a reason why like people hold it in such high regard even to this day
0: yeah you know like some like some kids at school were really cool and they got they got their their three and three quarter famba but um but i i would say that i would say that that was the better buy for sure the the this what would you say the official name of the set was that you're reading the packaging there
1: the official name of it is the sith droid attack game that is the official name per hasbro
0: and I will, you know, like uh, I'll 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 have to uh, go check out eBay like when we end this call because it's, we, it's going for about eighty
1: on eBay with like thirty dollars shipping, so it's probably gonna yeah, cost you more than double than what like the person that you found the other day had it
0: at. Yeah, but I mean, I hadn't seen one of those sealed like ever. I don't even remember like what the box looked like when I got it as a kid. Like I just remember playing with it. So like that was wild. I'm gonna check that out. It's pretty large because you know you have your cool. Sith attack droid in there. <laughs>
1: Well, Chris, I have a question for you. This is like this is like a dual part question. When, it, like I said, like the Phantom Menace was like my first Star Wars film. There's two pieces of Phantom Menace merchandise. So I'm just kind of curious what you think they go for price wise. The first one's the little more the conventional one. It's the Naboo royal starship. I remember seeing that in like 1999, maybe early 2000. And I always wanted that. And my parents said no because of how expensive it was. It went for $100 MSRP in early 2000. So God, by today's inflation, it's easily like a $200 toy. Have you seen that show up at any of your toy show or like your private collecting events? And if you have seen it, do you feel it was worth that price tag? I've always been curious about that as like a Star Wars fan.
0: Yeah, so that's a that's a real interesting one. Like maybe like Joe knows a little more about it. Like for for me, I during like the time like the time contemporary with the like episode one product rollout, I never knew that that existed. Um, I never saw it. I never saw a picture of it. It wasn't on any of the backs of the figure card backs, as far as I recall. But like I wasn't like I said earlier, like I wasn't really like buying a ton of like the like three and three quarter stuff at that time. Looking back at it now, like I've seen it, I've seen it maybe three or four times, like in person for sale around the $200 mark. And, um, it I think it's been open all those times, but they, but it had the box, but like, like for me, it just really like, doesn't, doesn't do it just because of the design of it, like, I'm not crazy with the design of it for one, like, like of all the things that could have deserved like a preposterous vac metalized treatment, like that should have had it. Like you, you got to remember like in the vintage line, they made a, they made like a C3PO carrying case. That was like, like, a one-to-one size of a C three PO upper torso that was like fully golden vac metalized. And it's like it's just like they flew, that that was like the peak of like ignorant vac metalizing everything. Like <laughs> like it's just a giant C three PO case for your figures that was golden. So like you know like the, like the fact that you can't get like the actually Chrome like Naboo starship like the uh, Queen's Royal Starship like that it's unfortunate. And also it's just sort of the design of it fundamentally is sort of like, like, it's more of like, it's not like a three and three quarter ship. It's like, you have to like, like you have to like splay it out and it like sort of folds out like origami. And it's like more of a place that like when it's all exploded open, I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not crazy about it. I think it looks kind of weird when it's opened up and like the scales all strange. And it comes with this droid starfighter that like, has to be small for what it's supposed to be so yeah yeah, i mean i was never crazy about it i don't think it looks that good loose like it's cool that they made it but i i think it was kind of a miss like personally i would rather have like the the royal starfighter all right yeah i I had the royal starfighter to this day it's hanging above uh it's on my ceiling the ninety nine
1: so. one or the 2011 yep, yep. one? No, 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 nine ninety nine. I just remember getting that for my birthday in nineteen. That and the Money and Falcon were my birthday presents from my grandparents in nineteen ninety nine. I will never forget that. That's the thing. Most of my Star Wars ships, I can actually tell you the exact time I got them because like it was always like a momentous occasion. Has the um, Blacksmith? What?
0: Oh, I was just gonna say like has like like I don't know how much you've ever looked into it, but has like the idea of like like uh, Hasbro like prototype stuff like ever appealed to you at all?
1: No. No.
3: Cuz like I,
0: that's
1: never appealed to me.
0: Cuz I well I just want to bring I just bring it up cuz like I I I was at the I th- I think it was in 2019. I was at the Cincinnati Toy Show and I saw a guy purchase um what was like it was like this Matt Gray uh Royal Starfighter that was like Hasbro's inter- first internal 3D representation of the Starfighter. It was like this oh. Matt, Matt Gray thing that was just like They made it out of like wood and painted it matte gray, and they're like, "This is the dimensions of our three and three quarter Royal Starfighter." Like, just to like sort of start working on like their their first version of it, and like I I don't know, like I like I I feel like it sold for like around a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred. That doesn't surprise me. But like I mean, it was like it was kind of interesting. I don't know, like it was like it was sort of like visually striking in a way that a lot of overly inflated prototype prices are the prototype items are not, you know what I mean? Like it just looked cool. Cause it's like, that's a one of those crazy, like this one of the best designs out of the prequels, in my opinion, like that's like solid Doug Chang work right there. Sure.
1: No, I don't, I, I don't argue with that. Like on an aesthetic level, um, I, I oh God, I, I don't know about I, prototype stuff is never me. I remember back. Oh God, what was his name? The guy, Jordan, who did like the toy hunter show. Like at least in the U.S., it was called on Travel Channel, like Toy Hunter. Yeah, Jordan Ambro.
0: He has a store called Hollywood Heroes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I remember he. Like that was always his like holy grail. Was always like prototype stuff, and that never intrigued me. Like that. It's it's a matter of personal preference, but I, I was indifferent toward it. To me, it's always come down to like it's it's either personal preference or nostalgia, which I would imagine what nine tenths of collecting is for anybody, whether it be Star Wars or not. Um, but this kind of goes into my second question for you. Do you, Chris, you have to have come across this a couple times in for the Phantom Menace launch. And it might have been something even going back to like Power of the Force 2, the giant Millennium Falcon that Toys R Us would have hung from
0: the ceiling.
1: Have
3: you
0: come across any of those in your travels? Uh, yeah, so I, I've. <sighs> I feel like it had like there's a colloquial term for that like amongst the collecting community that it's like the like Titan Falcon or something like
1: that. Okay, it has a name.
0: Yeah. Like there's, they call that. I don't know if that, I don't think that's it, but it's something like that. I actually currently have a friend who is on the market for one of those who has set up a, a a store in Toronto that would like to have one hanging from the ceiling. And like, he's actually been actively looking for one of those. But, um, yeah, I think that's power of the force Two era. And it's sort of based on like the mold for like the original Kenner Falcon, which was reused for power of the force Two. Is so it? like I it was, maybe it's my nostalgia. But I remember that thing being huge or am I wrong? Oh oh no, no, it's huge, but I mean like but like it's clearly based on the toy rather than the quote unquote mul- canonical Millennium Falcon. Like the proportions okay. of it are like clearly the toy. So like that's why it's even more cool for collectors because it's like it's literally just like a scaled up version of the toy. like and you can tell just because the the main giveaway is the cockpit is like well oversized compared to like the rest of the ship. And, like, sure. that's so you, they could fit two figures side by side, but not actually build the, like, main hull of the ship to scale mm-hmm. with having a cockpit that can see two figures. So, like, it just, like, it's the an instant giveaway what you're looking at when you see that oversized cockpit.
2: Yeah, those those things were very, very thin plastics because they had to hang from ceilings.
0: And many of them are, like, very oddly yellow at this point. Yeah, yeah. but, like, like yeah, but, I mean, I've seen them a couple times. I know, Um, I think... Uh, I know a guy who, uh, runs a stall at a antique mall called Atlanta vintage toys. And he has one set up at his like booth at this antique mall, which is like, that's awesome. And I, I know another guy who's looking for one, but, uh, yeah, I feel like it's like five feet long at least. So it's definitely yeah. not, not something I'm looking for, but that it's, it's a very interesting, uh, item. I, yeah. I don't know if it was target or toys R us or toys, any, yeah, toys right R Us. toys
2: R us at least had had that good toys or stuff.
0: Cause there's a Naboo starfighter as well that's like on that scale, like a, and a, I think that one ha, came with like two droid starfighters that were like chasing it, and it's like just as big. Obviously, if you're you're if you're gonna have one, you're gonna probably want that Falcon.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I never, uh, I never thought of it that way. That's the thing. Like when it comes to the uh, Royal starship, that's interesting. I could. I would love that. That's kind of like that would be like. I have no idea what I would do with it and if I ever even crossed paths with it. I, I wouldn't even like I said I I have no to even put that though but it's just one of those things where like I just it's so ingrained into like my childhood nostalgia. It's like running to like the Star Wars aisle at my local Toys R Us back in the day, and always seeing that being there as like kind of like the beacon to like go to in 1999, and 2000. Um, it, it would be one of those weird sort of just like quasi holy grails. It's up there with the um. Do you remember Chris like they like walmart had like a u-wing a cardboard u-wing for the rogue one like blu-ray display have you seen any of those in your travels
0: i know i like so like we're like that like the store displays like in walmart like and t- the store displays we don't really get, usually get like the same level of them like i know that canada is one of the only places you'll find a completely dedicated Star Wars aisle in 2021 at Toys R Us but yeah, but understand. they don't but like the store displays are like 2 or 3 years old like they have like banners hanging down from the top that are like generic characters or like Rise of Skywalker stuff maybe so like they don't re, I, I don't like I don't think we really get like the same level of attention on that kind of thing there was like um there was a new display for like the Galaxy's Edge outpost stuff cuz like we don't have target, so we got that at Toys R Us. So, like, they did do that kind of thing, but I I never saw any of that Rogue One stuff you're describing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I remember I, I never saw of it. I never saw any of it in person, but I saw a lot of it on social media, like in the U S. That like there was like a, a cardboard U u-wing and from what I heard from Walmart employees, like and this was back in my Rubble Scum forum days, in that like apparently whoever sent that whoever. I don't think it was Lucasfilm. Whoever it was, like, said that, like, it had to be destroyed. There had to be visual proof of it being destroyed. Because I knew, obviously, somebody
0: would try to sell it or take it home. And this is a good point. And, like, I know, uh, like, places like uh, GameStop have policies on this, where, like, like, they crack down on that and, like, nothing can leave the store. And it's just, like... It's just interesting that it bothers them so much that like so that's like some minimum wage employees are selling like cardboard on eBay that like they'd rather it be destroyed than like then get out there and be appreciated by someone who likes the franchise that it's based on. I don't know where that like compulsiveness comes from, like why it's so disastrous for that stuff to be re- released. Like it's not like they themselves are have any purview of making any money on it from that point on. But but the the whole idea, like the Star Wars like store display collecting, that's like a whole like separate insane thing, especially when it comes to like the vintage stuff. Like I have like I don't know if you're if either you're familiar, um, Joe, you're probably familiar with the term shelf talker if you worked at KB, right? Like, was that the thing during your period of t- time there? Did they use that term for like the branded uh, banner that would like go along the edge of the shelf? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I got, like, the only, like, vintage, like, Kenner, like, like original trilogy store display item I have is, like, one section of a Shelf Talker for an, a, the a New Hope era stuff from, but it was from, seven. it's very specifically from 79 because they changed some of the verbiage on it. And it's just, like, this slim, slim piece of cardboard that's, like, printed black that says Star Wars Toy Center on it. And, like, this is, like, the one I have is unused. So, like, some guy clearly, like, found, like, a box of these things that were just never made it to a store and made a killing on them, right? But, like, that's a whole, like, massive subcategory of collecting. Like, and especially even with, like, the prequels have some super ridiculous ones that I have, like, nowhere to put them, of course. Like, that massive episode two Doritos store display that I think I've posted I love that. in the group. I, yeah, want like,
1: it. I want that. I, 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 all, like, it's funny. That's one of those things, like, I really wish I could collect in Syria. Like, Attack of the Clones got the least amount of, like,
0: publicity,
1: like, promo stuff. Like, I, 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 I want it so bad. Like, I'm on the hunt for any sort of, like, promo Attack of the Clones thing right now.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, that thing is, like, like, I just, like would you believe that i paid 15 canadian dollars for that like in that's 20 insane. 2019 or 2020 whatever it was Saunders. like yeah like it was it was literally a problem for the guy who had it <laughs> like, yeah.
1: like, I, i'm like, not i'm not that surprised though because like i i can't imagine like attack of the clones promo stuff is that high in demand amongst collectors it's
2: that's a, it should that's, be that's a
0: beautiful thing but yeah <laughs> i agree
2: It's going to go up in value. It's going to go up in scarcity. Most of that stuff ends up the trash.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like the guy who hangs on to that, like that, like Sith droid attack box for 25 years. It's like but times 10, like that thing folds in half. But like if I had to guess folded in half, it's like like two by three and a half feet. Like it's just, it's like it's like it's literally a problem to know what to do with it. Like at my previous place, I I, I did have it on like on display, taking up like half of a wall in my collection room. The, after moving, I don't have room to do that anymore. I still have it, but like,
1: Chris, before you, if you ever want to dispose of that, I will gladly pay you a price for it. Like b- before you ever throw it out, at least let me
0: make an offer for it. I mean, like we're doing this on the air, but like the price is fifteen Canadian dollars. But like, but um, but yeah. Well, <laughs> if you,
1: I will gladly offer you double that U.S. before you throw it out. Please. Yeah. Well, I, I will, will double you, even triple that, might I say?
0: Yeah. Like, don't, don't. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't. I um, like. There's a hundred percent chance of like me driving to your area in the future and like I wouldn't throw it out. That's just not in my in my nature to do that. Like I would find somebody who would want something to do with I will, it. But
1: well, I know this is still on the air though, but I would gladly compensate you uh generously. I it wouldn't just be in republic credits. I would give you something a little more real for it.
0: Yeah, like it wouldn't, you know, it's one of those things where it's literally like like it'd be three times the items value to like put it in the mail. But like, yeah, like if I was out there, like it'd be, it'd be worth moving it. Um, but, uh, but like the, it's one, like there's so many things like that where it's like, I'm really, exp- I'm really being vulnerable guys and exposing myself. Like, in terms, like <laughs> stuff, that I, stuff that I collect here right now, but like some of you guys who are in the Facebook group might also know that like, and in then the last year I got like the front of the episode one Pepsi machine, which is just another thing that it's just like, that's I'll bad. figure out what to do with that later, but I need to get it out of the hands of this maniac who will probably put in the garbage like next week. If okay. I- speaking
1: speaking of like collectible items, and we will, I promise, folks, we will end this because we're almost going on two and a half hours now. um yeah. Have you, in two thousand seven? I can't speak to Canada, but in the U.S. in promotion, like in, in oh god, in promotion of the thirtieth anniversary of Star Wars. In the U.S., they decorated. And Joe probably remembers this. They decorated post office boxes into R2D2s. Have any of those wrappings ever shown up on like any of your? Do you remember that, Joe? I do. Has I do. have they have they ever Chris? Have you ever seen any of those? Because those weren't like it, they were like decals. They weren't like. It basically, they took like your normal like post office drop boxes and they decorated them. I don't know how any of that would ever show up Because technically it was just like a decal Have you ever seen anything Because I remember the post office on, Had it on their website It was like one like one of those things where you could print them out And make your own at home um, It was like this little like, like paper display thing I made one like it was cute for like a weekend And like I threw it away But has anything like that ever shown up In, in your realm of collecting things
0: if this yeah, makes that, any sense to you <laughs> no no like it be like it makes too much sense to me like this is like you know this is like a the more attainable version of this would be like the special edition and episode one like convenience store pepsi cooler r2d2s you know what i mean like still as ridiculous of a spatial thing but like so like there's like i'm getting it sort of mixed up now because like there was actually like a like uh late 70s Canada post R2D2 that was like a decal that was like only in Canada that like I feel like like it's another one of those things that like it doesn't exist anymore but like I've seen photos of it and there was like this like I don't even know if this one was branded because like I'm sort of blurring it here but I mean something tells me that like if somebody like it's possible that some maniac like literally ripped a like a u.s postal service mailbox that had an r2d2 print out of it and like actually stole it but like i don't think you'd see something like that trading hands because like publicly because like it's probably illegal right like to even like own that if you had one with the decal on it
1: it'd be in a private collection
0: that's what i'm saying right like you can't like if it so like you either have like a shredded decal or like Somebody like went insane and tried to like probably took that out of the bolted into the sidewalk position that it was like, you know, so like that's like that's like the stuff of legends, man. Like there like I said, there's a Canadian one that's like from the 70s where they like did up a mailbox to look like R2D2. And like I saw a blog post about that where they're like like somebody had a picture of it and they're just like please tell me somebody out there still has this. And it was just crickets for like years. You know what I mean? Cause like stuff like that just does not exist anymore. Like, and if it does there, no one's eager to tell you that they have it.
1: Well, I, I guess my question would be more like, like beyond the uh, crazy notion of somebody stealing a post office box. It's the, it's the idea that maybe somebody like got the decal and then like created their own. Like, I would imagine the dimensions of creating, like, a post office, like, just, like, oh, God, mailbox are not hard to come by, and maybe somebody just did that. Just, again, I'm just thinking of, like, weird sort of, like, Star Wars problems.
0: But Yeah, so, like, your 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 analogy is perfect because, like, what you have with... So, like, there's, uh, there's also this sort of subcategory of Star Wars collecting where it's literally just... There's guys who, like, all, the only thing they collect is Star Wars food premiums, and guys like that will, like... There's, like, a 70s, like literally bag for a loaf of bread and they'll get that and they'll put like a plastic loaf of bread in there just to fill out the form. Cause they're not going to have like a seventies loaf of bread. So like what you're saying there's a precedence for that, like in star Wars collecting where they'd make a under form to like fill out like the actual collectible. But uh, I, would yeah.
1: I, I, I know obviously the Phantom Menace being the most like pronounced example of like fast food tie-ins for like a star Wars film. But, like, if I could get an unused, like, Pizza Hut, like, Phantom Menace, like, pizza box, I would do it. Like, like that's one of those things. Like, if I saw that, like, at, like, a flea market or a toy show, and it was, like, under $100, I would get it. Because, like, it's such a unique piece of, like, Star Wars memorabilia.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, I, I'm sure that exists because, like, I've seen stuff, like, like, um, like for the first movie, there was, like, like the equivalent of happy meal boxes at a place called burger chef. And like those turn up unused all the time. And they're from like 77, 78. And like, it's basically a happy meal box, like flat, like with star Wars, like graphics all around it and like cut out activities and stuff. So like, I'm if that exists in abundance, I'm sure there's all varieties of star Wars pizza hut boxes unused.
2: So it looks like you you have an R2D2 mailbox. At the Smithsonian.
0: <laughs> oh, do they? That's oh my
1: god. I so put cool. it in the chat. Cool. That's neat.
2: And the Nabu, really neat. the Nabo Starship is going for two hundred and fifty dollars plus sixty dollars shipping.
1: That is that's that's crazy. Like that's oh god. Like like oh, that's eBay prices though. Like I would imagine I, in a toy show, I've, you seen a I've seen a yeah, 200 hundred fifty. I've you're right. Yeah you can I've easily to- Canadian. At a toy show I think you could talk somebody Down to like 150 on that That's eBay premium pricing because somebody realizes That like somebody will eventually Pay for that because they'll just get like so antsy For it
0: yeah like at the end of the day you have To remember this thing is piloted by Rick <laughs> Fair
1: Fair um, Actually like obviously we will definitely uh, Be tying this up soon But one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars memorabilia and I have no idea If this made it to Canada but it's always fun to ask Chris these questions and that Chris, did you ever get for attack of the clones going back to my, uh, my appreciation of uh, AOTC, um, like promo merchandise, the Frito lay like puzzle pieces that came with like potato chips and like different like snack bags. Like, does any of this ring a bell to you?
0: Um, so like, I don't remember the puzzle pieces, but like I have, and I don't know if I have it right here, but like, I have like, I got to check what it is like if you can buy me like 30 seconds airtime, time because like I have like some sort of Count Dooku food premium from episode two that like is not a puzzle piece. But I feel like maybe we just had like a worse version of the campaign that you got.
1: Well, that's the thing. OK, to buy you some time, Chris, um, to bring this uh, full full circle meta. Um, what happened was in 2002, one of the very God, relatively speaking, compared to the Phantom Menace tie-ins for Attack of the Clones was Frito Lay had this promotion where like in every bag of chips it came with like a puzzle piece and it was meant to like tie into the overall like family connection to the Star Wars saga. And it was like Anakin is like a child, Padme, um Luke Skywalker, Leia, Vader. And like the middle piece, like the most like in, the most rare piece in this promotion was a yellow one. It was of clone troopers. For attack of the clones. And this is like the the only piece. I was able to get. Because like for some reason. I guess my parents didn't want me eating junk food. But it was the rarest piece. The clone trooper yellow piece. And I've had this for like god. Almost I tw- god 20 years now. And at one point. I even made like a necklace out of it. Because like I got like a piece of like leather strapping. And I, I, I made a necklace. Because like I loved it so much. Um. And again, it's just like I told earlier, like I told Chris, it was like, I just love Attack of the Clones promo stuff because it was just after how like the Phantom Menace went so overboard with like tie-ins. Lucasfilm really, really eased off the throttle when it came to that sort of thing for AOTC. And I'm just... Always fascinate Anytime I see uh, Attack of the Clone stuff, because like even to this day, like I know I made like a Facebook post about it in the Knights of Vader Facebook group. That like there's like all this really really cool like Phantom Menace like tie dye shirt designs, and then like you look at like again a T-shirt merchandise for Attack of the Clones, and there was hardly any of it in 2002, um, except for things here and there. And that's why anytime I can come across like attack of the clone stuff, I'm always uh, kind of intrigued by it. Um, I just barely saw what Chris was posting in the uh, Skype chat. Can you post that again? I just missed it.
0: Oh, it's not still, it's not still there. Well, I, yeah, I looked into, I looked into the, the one random episode two food premium that I had kicking around and it is a count Dooku uh, connector card. Number eight from from Black Diamond Cheese, which is, like, what was <laughs> going on at the time, man. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't know if I I put it back in there, but, um, yeah, like, I'd see, like, I never saw those puzzle pieces, though, for, uh, for okay, sure. i looking at it now. Yeah. yeah, I
1: I do not remember seeing, I, I remember that promo image of Dooku. Yeah. Um, but I do not remember seeing that. Like, yeah, like a physical thing
0: yeah and you know i just just one of those things that like i chucked in a binder with like a bunch of other trading cards and stuff but like it's it's just always funny to see like there was a cheese logo on that picture of christopher lee it's delightful yeah i don't know it was a yeah the episode two stuff like that's like definitely like if like objectively speaking like the the craziest, the like the most ridiculous, craziest stuff happens in that movie. Like it's like if you actually do like a like a verbal recount of like what technically happens in that movie, it's the craziest Star Wars movie. Like you can't even argue it. I love it. That's why Attack
1: of the Clones. Like I will always ha- I consider it was like the first Star Wars movie I was actually able to get quote hyped for. Because, like, I never had that chance for The Phantom Menace. Um, I, Attack of the Clones will all... I think, it again, um, as a uh, diehard Star Wars fan to this day, I still think it's probably one of the weaker Star Wars films. But as a fan of the franchise, I will always, always appreciate that film on, like, a level that very few people can.
0: Well, you know, like, just, like like and we'll wrap it up I know like we're pushing it here a little bit but like you know when you just just look at it simply as uh Christopher Lee is a Sith Lord uh creation of a clone army uh not Boba Fett having an amazing fight scene um like you like even if you like even if you like don't talk about any of the like sort of like Anakin Padme Obi-Wan stuff like there's so much ridiculousness in that movie that's just like the fact that it was they were able to sort of put that on screen for even like what they what Lucas spent at the time is like really impressive stuff like, you know, like Camino uh, rest in peace. Lots, lots yeah, of, uh, too soon, too soon. Yeah, lots of beautiful designs in that movie. Oh,
1: Attack of the Clones. Joe, what's your opinion on Attack of the Clones? Use three sentences for if you have to.
2: Not my Star Wars.
1: <laughs> I think you mean hashtag not my Star Wars.
0: Yeah, that was the version of it uh, during the prequel times before hashtags. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I guess I
1: remember to like seeing the uh, entertainment weekly cover of like Anakin and Padme and just being like 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 seeing that like on like uh, a shelf, like on a tabloid rag, like rack, like at the grocery store, just being like, <gasps> oh my god, just being like so excited out of my gourd and like seeing like all the merchandise trickle in like the the band-aid packaging with the really Unique like uh, holographic Cover that you could like take off And like use it like oh it was just Oh what a magical time to be alive 2002 What a truly I gotta go back I have like a bunch of magazines like I, I think I, just one last thing before we wrap this episode Up like I think somewhere Um Oh I was going through ebay And I found like a promo like dvd Poster for attack of the clones for like fifteen Dollars and I'm like I think I have to buy this. I I think I just have to, because, like, anything that's, again, like I said, anything that's promotionally related to, like, Attack of the Clones is such a rarity now. Um, Like, even Revenge of the Sith, like, you'll see some
0: of that stuff trickle in,
1: but just nowhere near as much as, like, you'd expect it to be, relative to, like, Revenge of the – I'm sorry, Attack of the Clones.
0: Yeah, I think there's, like, this perception that the Episode 3 stuff is, like, mildly more desirable, and that's part of the issue there. Definitely Alrighty uh, One final question Before we wrap this episode up Um, In the
1: pre-show recording I was asking Chris about this Because he's the premier uh, Star Wars collector Amongst the three of us Um, I'm potentially in the market For a hot toy Star Wars figure And I was asking Chris About the uh, durability Of characters that have uh, Skin Mm -hmm. joints on their height toys figures And Chris said I'm not going to answer this Until we start recording Chris would you now be interested in answering this question for me
0: yeah I think if you got them so like he's looking at the hot toys uh Kylo Ren from Skywalker or the ray okay just the ray all right perfect So like what I would do, what I would do if I were you and I had that money like burning a hole in my wallet, what I would do is I would go go on the good old, good old eBay and I would get myself a Force Awakens Ray Hot Toys because it looks better than the Rise of Skywalker one. And you do got to watch out for those joints. But uh, I feel like the TFA uh, Hot Toys Ray looks a whole lot better than that. Yeah, so like, but she doesn't I'd,
1: come with Leia's saber, though. Yeah,
0: you know, Leia's saber, like, has there ever been a more overrated saber in the history of Star Wars? I'm I, not sure.
1: I, I I am not even going to dignify that with a response. I am not going to devalue that lightsaber's. saber's
3: quality. You know RNA what? Quality.
0: I think I now, since we just did this episode, I now have a better idea of what Qui-Gon's saber looks like than Leia's saber. So. <laughs> They're
1: actually kind of similar. Like, it, I in a very like abstract sense now that you like mentioned that.
0: Yeah. But you know, if you must go for this one, yeah. Like the, you can get it. Like it's, it's a reality of the sort of soft plastic, like that stuff goes over time. Right. So like, like if the, the uh, hot toy collector lingo would be, you want to find yourself a nice museum pose, which means that a pose that's sort of neutral, that doesn't put a whole lot of strain on the joints. That's sort of has them in a pose that's close to the way they're molded in the factory which is a rather sort of neutral arms down kind of thing, which is not that fun, but you're putting less strain on it over time and it's less likely you get it your, you'll get your
1: money's worth out of it. Yeah. All right.
0: So I can't get her in a super cool action
1: pose as uh, described, as pictured in this uh, image that I'm currently sharing with everybody.
0: You can, but you have to do it and take a picture and then put it back to a neutral one. <laughs> yeah, that's no fun. Uh, like I said, I I've gotten
1: some uh, decent oh god mileage out of my uh Luke Skywalker crate figure after almost two years. Um, but that's the thing; his arm joints are sheer plastic because uh, the joints are shrouded by his robes.
0: Yep, and so like that's this—it's something they're gonna you're gonna have to worry about with that. Um, there's like the uh, Ahsoka that's based on the Mandalorian as well that has the sort of same type of arms and like you don't have to look far to see photos of that, um, that style just cracking over time. So a a neutral pose will help uh, the more, you know,
1: (laughs) the more, you know,
0: Alrighty, before we
1: wrap this up, before we wrap this episode up, anything else, gentlemen, Uh, Chris, Joe, I'm good. (laughs) Are you good, Chris? Are you good?
0: I, 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 I'm having fun people might be able to tell that I'm good though so like uh, we can call it and hopefully hopefully, the finale of Bad Batch will give us something to th- have a thought about and we can uh, sort of recap that sometime soon
1: we do have a thought Chris it's called R.I.P. Camino
2: remember Camino down with the Empire. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm,
0: <laughs> I was honestly I well was done honestly, Joe I was honestly a little bit sad. <laughs> okay.
1: So conclude this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out the Facebook group, Knights of Vader into Facebook, and you will find us there waiting for you. Instagram at KOV podcast. Chris Porteous is waiting for you. K-O-V podcast at gmail.com. Please keep sending us emails. I promise everybody I read those emails even though I don't get them on the podcast. Oh, boy. The Empire is currently trying to hack into this recording of the podcast. That might have been my mic, actually, now that I think about it. Um, If you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. If you want to hear more from me, Zach, check out me on the Cinematis podcast as we are in the tail end of the 2001 fort year. I have no idea what movie we'll be currently talking about this week, but maybe we'll be talking about the others I am not entirely sure, but as Chris can tell you, the Princess Diaries episode was an episode to die for. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, but when you're not listening to us on Knights of Vader, where can we find you, Chris?
0: Yeah, you can find me at the Chris Porteous on Instagram and the KOV Podcast Instagram. And, uh, you know, don't be too hard on yourself with the four year. Like, you guys started out that Planet of the Apes episode. Implying that you didn't like the movie But then I pr- what I heard was pretty much Just like what was so great about it the whole time Sure Um Alright Mr. Yazo, When you're not quietly listening to Chris
1: and I yell about Attack of the Cones promo merchandise What are you up to? Uh,
2: you can find me out on eBay eBay uh, movie is Vault 12601 uh, Some vintage toys Collectibles and even some Star Wars goodies one, two, three.
1: Cool beans. Alrighty, folks. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, remember Alderaan down with the Empire.